Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is John Kendall from the film consulting and promoting initiative Felix Motor Society. Now, let's start the show. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast, and you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen Media Empire. Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness, and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm Jake Amino, the writer-director of Deviation. My name is Nathan Whitehead, and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart. Page the screen. Com up in my boundaries. Snakes. Get up to my motorcycle running and tracking up with my fucking snakes. Genius. With Dom. Eating pizza. And pussy. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. The From Page to Screen Movie Good morning, good evening, Neil. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Let's go with your time zone. So it's good morning, it's good evening for me, but I'm (laughs) alright. We should split the difference, good afternoon. Good day. (laughs) Good day. Yeah, that works. That definitely works. So, uh, 498th podcast episode. So, I am definitely on target to round the year out and then begin next year with number 500. So, how's that for timing? That's not too bad, is it? And how are you celebrating number 500 again? I am (laughs) celebrating it on my own uh, with the cooperation of lots and lots of people that I've spoke to over the years. So uh-huh. beyond that, you'll find out when you listen to number 500. So there will be no Rob, there will be no Bob, there will be no John Fouts, no Anthony Alex, uh, no yourself, kind of. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know what to do for 500. It's like, do I bring a guest on? But then why is the guest for number 500 any more special than the other guests that have been on? Yes. Do I do some sort of compilation with all the different cool bits that I've done over the years? No, that's too much work. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and, so. and, and that's always whenever Star Trek did that, that was always the worst episode of Star Trek. You know, it? a clip show. Why? Why would you want a clip show? <laughs> There's no point. But to, it's just too much work for me. <laughs> I haven't got the um, the inclination to do that. So mm. uh, I sat down and I pondered about how to do it, and I've I've come up with something. So uh, the first episode of 2020 will be episode 500. So, wow, wow, bad. I always figured I'd do like six episodes and then I'd be done because I would have no more stories to tell. <laughs> so, I was kind of wrong on that. Yes, one. so how so are if you? you oh, oh I'm, I'm no, I was gonna say if you go back in time and tell, tell your young self, um, 
you know, give yourself any advice when you started, what would you tell yourself? It would be try and learn how, learn how to monetize it. <laughs> <laughs> Other than little geek treats, try and work out how it can actually uh, pay your bills for you. It would be nice. But yeah, because yeah, I've, I've still not managed to crack that nut yet, but I do still enjoy what I do and it gets me lots and lots of geek treats, like hanging out with people like yourself and going to San Diego and chatting with my new friends the Soska sisters and yeah you know the, the life we lead it's it, I'm getting one step closer to living a Neil Johnson life yes yeah. all I need is the talent to make movies and I'll be <laughs> another little step closer but you know other than that, and grow my hair a bit and money uh, yeah and money and move to a sunny climate and you know that's that sort of thing and travel the world etc so yeah I I miss England you do why you know, I, I I find myself consistently watching documentaries on the history of England where they show these archaeological locations and stuff. And I just want to go see it all, you know. I, I want to – I don't want to sit in England and just sit in a room. I want to go explore and see things and, you know, the culture and the history and the, the atmosphere. Um, visually, it's quite a thing, you know. It's, it's – the way I shoot what I shoot – England fits perfectly with, with well, I say the United Kingdom, should I say, Great Britain fits with everything I do because I have to include Scotland. You do, yep. Because oh. you've, you've done quite a lot of filming in Scotland, haven't you? I have, and it's an obsession. Yep. It's truly an obsession. So, you know, I, I just miss it, you know. I just it's, It gets in your blood. Have you got like a favourite town in Scotland or a favourite town in England? Anything that springs to mind, or do you just like all of it? You're going to be greedy and choose the easy answer. Um, well, it used to be Whitby, uh, but I've done done Whitby to death. But I would still live in Whitby, to be honest. Actually, I, I a little little uh, what would you call it? Confession. I, I there was a place called near Whitby. I couldn't afford Whitby, you know, to buy there. It's quite expensive. And that, that for those who don't know, that's a vampire town in the north of england in yorkshire on the coast um so i found this place called saltburn on sea which is near whitby but much smaller and much more quaint so i went there and uh i think it was called saltburn on the sea anyway and i walked around it was really lovely and and pleasant and people kept looking at me strangely I, I, I don't know why. Okay, do I look strange? I, I guess no, I do. I don't think. I think you know your hair's long, but I don't think you would. Well, go, it, oh, there's it, who's who's he? His his hair's long. He must be strange. Well, when I googled it, it turned out that uh, David Coverdale was born there and grew up in in this oh, place. That could be it. They, th- I think, again, it was that. Is that him? He's, you know, he's too young. <laughs> <laughs> He uses oil of Uli. It's fine. It, exactly. <laughs> so it's just kind of weird, but I, I, I liked it. So I, I I wouldn't say that's my favorite place now. Um, you know, it's it's kind of difficult to say. I, I think, you know, if I was looking to buy somewhere in England, you know, cheap, because uh, I put all my money into movies, I would probably look at either somewhere in Scotland um, – uh, you know, near Glencoe in the Highlands, but it's pretty rugged there. Um, <laughs> it's vicious. I once oh. went up there, and I was uh, this was a few years ago, and I was shooting with a, a digital SLR, and it was so cold on Loch Ness, my camera stopped working. 
That's yeah. the first time anywhere where I've encountered a digital camera that's like, no, nah, I'm out of here. <laughs> and once it got back to a warmer place, it kind of started and it was fine. So I didn't find Loch Ness that that exciting. Uh, it's kind of it, cool because you, you're at Loch Ness. Yeah. But if you were to take away the name and just take somebody there who didn't know where they were, you go, what would you think of that? They'd be like, it's all right. <laughs> it's a bit cold. But beyond that. Loch Lomond's way more interesting. Yes, it is, yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I thought I would get all, you know, um, you know, I, I could hear Leonard Nimoy's voice, you know, from the In Search of documentaries uh, from the seventies, you know, and I, I, I just try to get that feeling, and I sort of got it. But you know, it wasn't that exciting, and yet other places in Scotland were so incredible uh, and so amazing that it just, you know, it it kind of eclipsed, uh, you know, Loch Ness beyond anything and i mean there's still parts of scotland i haven't found yet uh, there's a million places i don't know where i'd want to be though you know it, it's um uh, you know it's one of those things i'd want to be in a place where i could just go and visit all these places i think that's the smartest place but somewhere in the north i i, I it's where my heart is you know my, i buried my father up in the north actually I, I i think i told you i my father died and i went to whitby and threw his ashes into the ocean there which is of course very illegal but uh he was the sea captain you know whatever <laughs> that's where he he belonged to go and it, the, you know so i think it's okay to be in those places um you know i don't know just all up in the air shouldn't talk about my dad makes me cry so oh, well, let's, well let's let's move on to a little bit so, so let's it's near enough this is this is like the third end of year show i've done in about mm. three weeks. So the first one was with Stu Miller, who uh, who's, who's always a joy to record with, and uh, he's learning. He's not so much negative with me all the time, so I'm, I'm training him. He's my padawan, so to speak. And I, I yeah, I enjoy it though. I enjoy it. He's very entertaining. I would never, and I've said this to Stu Miller. I said I would never take you know, a negative review from you and then not watch that film because you didn't like it. Quite the opposite. I would probably go watch it to see what I think of it. And whenever yep. I watch a film, I'm always curious to see what he thinks of it out of pure entertainment value. So I will be listening to his Monday movie show to find out what he thinks about a film that we both oh. watched this week. And he's going to he, hate it. That's what I think. <laughs> and if he hated it, I will just laugh because I went to see it and really enjoyed it. And to be honest, that's all I care about, to be honest. Um, but mm. yeah, and the next end of year show I did was with Bob. Uh, I haven't managed to do one with Rob, but I did see him a couple of days ago for a whole three hours, I think it probably was, because we went to Wales, stayed overnight, we got rained on, we saw him between half past six and ten o'clock, and then came back from Wales yesterday, so the Friday, went into Manchester, finished off a lot of Christmas shopping, went straight into the cinema to watch this uh, little little short film but it wasn't short it's over a couple of hours just a little spacey epic thing and then came home and slept so it's been oh. quite a busy few days and how how is rob how is rob he doing is okay we there there were children in the room so and they were very loud children so we did not manage to cover anything that i really wanted to talk to him about so conversation wise it was always good to see him but i did not manage to cover a whole host of stuff that I really wanted to sit down and chat with him about. So that may oh. be something that just gets done over a phone call or whatever, but he's doing okay. Yeah. That's good. That's he's good. Yeah. Right. And then the third end of year show is with yourself. So, oh, lovely. So, here How we go. Lovely. so uh, it's an easy question. What have been the highlights of your 2019? 
what springs uh, to mind? Sort of as in your life ones, not so much movie highlights. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, oh, it's, a bit, it's not been one of those years, has it? No, it hasn't. It hasn't. I, I you know, everyone, everyone has a bad year. You know, I, I, that wasn't this year. Uh, you're going to find this really strange, but you know, I, everything I owned, as you probably know, burned down in the fire, uh, in the Wolsey fire in Malibu about a year ago. And so that was 20, the end of 2018. So it doesn't, doesn't count as a good year. Um, I spent a lot of this year, uh, well, I, we, have, you know, a bunch of us actually, yeah. um, living in a, in a little, uh, uh, well, basically, when your house burns down in in a, in a community where there's a lot of houses and not a lot of you know places to live, uh, how to explain it? Finding somewhere to live was was a challenge. So we were, was crammed into this tiny ass apartment. Apartment made for there was like hang on uh, six people, five people, two dogs. Uh, crammed into an apartment built for two, you know. So essentially living, you know, living like a, a teenager. <laughs> how many how many bathrooms in it, just to put it into perspective? Uh, I think two. I, I'm trying to remember. It's not a lot for six people, though, is it? If you have Maybe to it's be... three. No, it's three. It, it, the bathroom situation was okay. okay. But living, living in a, you know, in an, so living like that, for a while it was just crammed you know because you have a lot of stuff and and then moving into uh a place of our own um after that it was such a blessing and it it is we've only just moved in and it's it's a blessing uh to actually live uh in your own place and have your own room (laughs) Um, i think you probably forget what it's like to not have your own space to say i don't mean like spaces in living in an apartment but to be able to just go sit in a room and read a book quietly or something like that you probably forget what it's like to be able to do that i think it was horrible you know and you see here's the problem you know i i I make um, movies for a living and uh you kind of have to lock yourself away, you know, to, to actually do the editing yeah. and to do the writing and to do all this stuff. And you have to kind of be, you know, place yourself in a certain situation. I couldn't do that. And so it was, it was so frustrating. I wanted to, you know, just I, – I, I actually would invent reasons to go shooting just to get out of the, the apartment. Which was fine. It actually worked out really good in the end because then I was running off shooting things uh, – Maybe at the time I didn't need to shoot, but in retrospect, they became some of the greatest parts of the the latest movie TV series I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know now I've had to snap snap out of that craziness um, of wanting to be shoot shooting all the time, and I've got to focus on editing. So I'm locked now in in, the, in this. It's not a big room, but it's a room. Uh, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight television screens in front of me. Eight, nine. 10, 10, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, but big ones, all in 4K and all, you know, ridiculous. So I, I'm doing post-production and I, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it, you know, but it's, you know, it's just suddenly it's a new phase of life. So l- life's good. Uh, I, so I'd say the highlight really was finding somewhere to live. It sounds <laughs> like you're getting all these screens set up so you can actually carry on with your epic. Yeah, yeah, it, it's an epic. Um and uh yeah 
<laughs> I can't we, say too much. <laughs> can, can we find out where you're up to with the progress of when the film may be out, the series may be out, or is that still under wraps at the minute? Well, I, I can give you an update. Uh, so I'm working on a thing called The Time War, uh, which is a television series. started as a movie in 2014. I wrote it back in 1995. Um, it started as a movie in 2014. Uh, it, it just became a monster that grew and grew, and then the whole uh, film industry uh, kind of changed where nobody wanted movies anymore, and they wanted uh, – Game of Thrones, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. That, that was... they wanted Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad, doesn't it? I think yeah, I, was, I, tried, I can't think of any. I think the book I read is called The Big Picture, and it is all about how the shift went from movies to television and then to streaming. So it's such an interesting book, and it's it pretty much pegs it all on Breaking Bad because when that series was out, people. They kind of watched it and they kind of enjoyed it. But then once it dropped onto the streaming services, that thing blew up. And then, you know, Netflix obviously thought, oh, we might be onto something here because that's where the show used to drop. But then they, they came out with House of Cards, Orange is New Black, and then they went off like a rocket and then everything changed. And it also goes into the fact that we, the audience, uh, we don't like watching original films anymore, apparently. And generally, I do, but a lot of them don't. So therefore, they want to watch sort of lazy uh, brand recognition things to the level we don't recognize that so we're not going to go watch Steve Jobs or whatever but ooh Marvel ooh Fast and the Furious 10 ooh Star Wars you know all these sort of things and it's a really interesting book I would definitely next time you're over here I shall pass you my copy on and hopefully it won't go the same way as High Concept the uh, the Don Simpson I was very sad to read that 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 book the book died it's like because I remember I'd got the interview that I'd done for the the website, and I'd put it on there, and I thought, right, I'll launch it now, right? Let's let's read it, and I'm like, oh, the book died. I'm sorry. Never mind the house. The house. I was like, well, that's that's real terrible. But I'm like, oh, the book died. It was yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. That's it. Did it? It's it did. funny. That was my. So for so those who know that, um, Stuart gave me a, a book to read about Don Simpson and <laughs> and. <laughs> I would, it would be my, dare I say, my bathroom read. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a bathroom read as well. That's generally where I read because I don't have time when I'm – you can't read when you're sat next to a computer, can you? So, no. no. Right, there, right there with you. But I would just sit there and read in the bathroom and I, I was enjoying it. I was like, my mm. God, the, the 80s were just – late 80s were just so weird. Weren't they? Have yeah. some money. Thank you. Yeah. Spend it on drugs. No problem. Yeah, exactly. Let's snort some cocaine. <laughs> oh, boy. Um and I, you know, I, but I enjoyed it, but it's like, I'm so glad I'm not in that era uh, because it wasn't really my, my, my scene, even though I kind of lived it a bit, you know, I was around it, should I say. And, um, yeah, it burned in the fire. <laughs> it was just one of those things. Did, did you manage to finish the book though? Did you not finish it? No, I think I was about halfway through. Oh, well, so I need to get another copy at some point. Well, get uh, the audio book. I'll, I'll, I'll find yeah. the audio book version. I would that. love for the, I mean, obviously it's not possible because it's about Don Simpson who died, but I would love to be, there's not enough interviews with Don Simpson around. He was yeah. such one of the biggest, craziest Hollywood producers that came out. And, you know, people were like, oh my God, how how is he still working? You look at like a Weinstein now and you go, yeah, Don Simpson is pretty much like a pussycat compared to some of yeah. the ones that are out there now, but I think Don I, Simpson just used to abuse himself 
pretty much, rather than other. I used to shout and scream at people and whatnot. But. Yeah, I, I've dealt with those people. You know, I've been I've been around those types. Um, you know, and I can't name drop, but no. I've I've seriously seen that stuff in action. So I don't know how I'd how I deal with that. It's like if I'm in an office and somebody's shouting and screaming at me, that's why I think I'd be terrible in the army. We're like, I'll be like, don't be shouting at me, thank you. I'm I'm here to help out, thank you very much. I don't have the mindset to be shouting, screamed at, unless of course somebody's giving me a big fat check, in which case, go for it. I'm all right with that. It's fine. Well, sometimes that that's where it comes down to. You know, it comes down to they are paying. You know, they they pay for the abuse. You know, they pay you to be abused. Um, I, and I've worked for some some real asses. Let's just say. Yeah. Um, there's nothing worse than being yelled at for something that wasn't that you didn't do wrong. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I I I I, I learned to just shut up and laugh at them internally because I think that's about yeah, it. Don't laugh at them externally. That may just fuel them even more. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny because like, every dog has a day. So, yeah. uh, you, you know, like I, I know, I'm not going to talk bad about somebody. I, I work for a very famous heavy metal band. Um, uh, well, famous in Europe anyway. And I, I'm not going to name them because again, name dropping is just stupid. Um, but, you know, I, I got to live with these guys and see who they were really like really when I say live with them, I mean I was living in, around them and on tour and off tour and one was my neighbor and one was up the road and used to go to family events and everything. And so you know, you deal with these guys and they are you know, this they're they're kind of weird. One one recently was accused of being a pedophile and put in prison. Uh you know, and I don't know if that's even true. I, 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 to this day, I don't know if I believe it. Yeah. Though the re, you know reality is, it's possibly true. And he was an ass to me at times. I tried my absolute best to be his friend. He was such a, you know, you know what to me, um, and it's kind of rude, you know, and they're snooty and and it's, it's kind of weird, you know. Um, yet I'm a nice guy, so that, you know, I really shouldn't be you know, hated by somebody like that. And then he turns out to be a pedophile. You go, Hmm. So there's obviously right, a lot so of that was it. Ha, gotcha. Karma. No, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I didn't, I kind of felt for him cause it's like, I, I understood that there was actually something else going on inside him. Uh, and he was fighting for something. And, uh, you know, I was sometimes the butt of his, uh, his frustration with life, you know? So, uh, not that I was self-righteous, but I, I, I you know, I was just a nice guy. You know, I'm I'm a genuinely a nice person. I like to be nice to people, unless they're asses, and I can be asses back. But so I, I guess you know, you you look at these people with all their crazy, you know, carry on, and deep down inside, there's probably something else going on. And every dog has a day, and so they lost their, you know, the days are gone for these people, and 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 now it's just well, he was a dick, so God bless him, you know, away he goes, and so you you kind of. Look at all the all the Harvey Weinstein's, and uh, you know we we are not all completely evil. We are just a sum of sum of parts, and sometimes the evil gets worse. And uh, I don't have any ske- I th- I don't think I have any skeletons in my closet. I'm very glad about that. But I've dealt with people who really do have skeletons, and uh, they should be afraid. You know, they should be afraid, especially of, in this day and age. Because yeah. you know, if you happen to be like famous or even not so famous 
you know, or just you know, whatever sort of person you are, there there are digital eyes on everybody. And yeah. people can go back way back into something you've posted, something you've visited, something you've, you've done decades before, and they can dig it up, screen grab it, and it becomes modern news again, doesn't it? Yeah, and that that's that's scary because it's a big, you know, we we've really hit the Big Brother curve pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, but even you know, it's like the mind police. You know, oh, I know what you were thinking. You people don't know what you're thinking, but they 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 can try to figure it out. And they can analyze your you know your body language. Um, and a very interesting point on that, the, the finding – okay, so the you, you saw the Finding Neverland documentary? I, I saw the first half of it. I never saw the second half because uh, Annette's convinced that he was guilty and it started and she was like getting really mad watching the program. So I'm like, I'll, I'll finish off watching this myself and I've not managed to watch part two, but not fair. Well – Yeah, you know, I, I was in two minds. I thought, no, he's innocent because I've seen this stuff go down. And then I watched it. I thought, no, maybe he's guilty with this smoke, this fire. And then you you stand back and you think, okay, how do I, am I supposed to approach this? Well, I saw online. Uh, uh, I'm trying to try to see if I can give you an exact uh, thing. Okay, hang on. I'm going to give you a very interesting uh, perspective on that. Um, okay. It's actually a Scottish. I think he's a Scottish guy. Um, Hang on, and I'm just Googling here. And I think people should should actually do this. Collative Learning, Rob Ager, A-G-E-R. And he's a guy who does all these videos on, uh, uh, you know, studies on films. Like, you know, and he's very clever. And I, I would really, you know, say this guy really uh, knows his stuff. And I say this because most people don't know what they're talking about. This guy really knows his stuff. Now, he actually worked in uh, uh, the um, – you know, in a, in a, in a place where you would actually counsel and help traumatize people who dealt with, you know, being sexually abused and stuff. So he goes on and looks at the finding Neverland documentary and he says, look, for my professional opinion, and he says, this is why I say this because he has studied and done, you know, these people are not telling the truth. The, the two boys, uh, are not being honest and he said, this is what – and he started showing examples of people who have really been in those situations and how they react. And I was like, oh. And he said, in my opinion, this, these guys are lying. And he, he showed reasons and examples and went into a lot of detail about it. We'll never know the truth until we have a, a, a wormhole time travel device to peer back in the past. Yeah. But – I, I felt he was very valid in saying this, and it's very possible. I actually met one of the guys, the, one of the Australian guys, because I was in Brisbane, Australia, and uh, I, you know, one of the I didn't realize that you know he'd hung around Michael Jackson that much because I, <laughs> I thought he was a bit of a you know wasn't really my type of person. I thought he was a bit of a blah 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 person, and but apparently yes, he was hanging around Michael Jackson a lot. But it seems to be in the, you know one of these uh, people who love the attention need some drama and stuff. So um, you know it's very possible that this stuff didn't happen or didn't happen the way they said it did. Maybe Mike was a bit weird, but how weird was he? You know, you just don't know. And it's funny that some people say, yes, it happened because they want some attention, but the people who have attention say, no, it didn't happen. You know, the, the kid from home alone, I don't think he's ever said anything creepy went on. Or Corey, uh, Corey Feldman. Corey, yeah. Who I, who I have met and had, 
I, the guy's, I would say, is a bit of an attention whore. He did a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, he hit me up for money once, uh, you know, <laughs> to pay for T-shirts because he was going on tour and he was, you know, he's been a musician and needed to buy T-shirts and I, I'd get all the money back. You wanted 35 grand or something. It's like, oh, he needs to so, go somewhere else to buy T-shirts if they costed him 35 grand. It was like, it's he was asking right. me, and me and about 20 other people and it's like, See who would throw money. I was like, "You got to be kidding me, dude!" You, 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 you know. But this guy didn't hasn't jumped on the bandwagon, and you think he would if it really happened. Yeah. So there's something interesting going on there. So I think you know all all the the craziness about you know we're watching you and stuff like that. The truth will come out, and uh, you know, I I, I we're, we're we're in a really stressful society where everyone's waving their finger at everybody and saying you did this and you did that and yeah. you do a movie like star wars the last jedi oh. or rise of skywalker and <laughs> mm-hmm. you know the, well, the first comment i saw on on that was a was a guy that you know he's a famous artist called hugh fleming uh who painted a lot of the star wars art and has worked for lucasfilm uh and he lives in australia i actually grew up with him a little bit i i love the guy to death and he said, I'll see you in hell, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yep. No, no. And he was angry. And I hadn't seen the movie. <laughs> so we, we will shift on to Star Wars. And then near the end of the show, I do want to know what some of your plans for 2020, New Year's resolutions and stuff, if you do those are. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Sorry, before I, I we jump yes. on. I didn't answer one of your questions. You asked how the oh. the, the time war was going. Yes, I'm I did. I didn't, I'm so sorry. It's okay. Uh, we'll forgive you eventually. Okay. Um, so I, I'm I'm editing. I think it's in eight chapters, and I'm each chapter going. I call it chapters because Mandalorian does, and they've copied off of me, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, whatever. Um, it's eight chapters. Each chapter is about forty forty five minutes long, approximately. And uh, I've nearly finished the first chapter visually. So I'm one-eighth of the way through editing my eight-hour epic. Nice. I mean, finishing. That's good. So there you go. Sorry, that's my answer. Sorry, Stuart. That's very good. Not a problem. So, yeah, I also saw uh, the first reactions for Rise of Skywalker, and they weren't great. <laughs> they were, I'm like, oh, no, not again. Because even though I was starting to get excited about watching a new Star Wars movie and also watching the conclusion of the Skywalker saga, I knew that the internet was probably going to spit its dummy out and go ballistic and we we're going to have a repeat of the Last Jedi fiasco and people were just going to go, you know, like it's, it's a, a blight on humanity and everybody's lives ruined and it's horrible and it's, rather than go, I liked it, I didn't like it. You know, for yeah. those who make movies for yourself, there's obviously a lot more that goes into a film than did you like it, did you not like it. But for a film viewer, that's the only two important things. Yeah. Did you enjoy it or did you not enjoy it? Beyond that, it's not worth getting really wound up about any film at all. If you don't like it, don't talk about it. So The Last Jedi thing was a mess. It was embarrassing for film fans. And... Uh, so I was concerned that The Rise of Skywalker was going to do the same. And a lot of the early reviews, they were. They were like, JJ, you've ruined my childhood. Disney should run. I'm like, oh, here we go again. But then after I saw it, went back onto Twitter again. There's a lot of positive reviews. So it seems to be, I don't know whether it was the critics that hated it or 
or and the fans are quite liking it or whether it's just a little bit divisive or what's been your feedback from what you've you've seen um, other than Hughes one of course yeah, well I I you know speaking generally are we we are going to spoil the film aren't we'll, we? we'll, tr- we'll try and keep spoils to a minimum but if we're going to spoil it just we'll do it in a little bit, I think, because a we'll, lot of we'll, people haven't seen it because it's going to be out like two days. You have to, you have to have that that alert siren. Yes, going, definitely. So. I love that. We'll have that <laughs> later on. <laughs> um, well, okay. So you were saying it's only a movie. Yeah. Um, firstly, you're dealing with a guy who who finds it even hard to talk about <laughs> <laughs> emotionally. Um, I'm actually in the throes of something, um, <laughs> but but okay. What, what's happened? What what I can see is happening out there is, uh, uh, you know, the reviewers don't like it, and I know what they're going, what 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 they're seeing, but the fans are satisfied with it. Um, now, speaking as a, as an industry professional, what what JJ does. Is he? He's uh, packing as much emotionalism and highs and lows into the movie as possible to make sure you come out of that theater for the first week and are all jacked and excited and pumped and it's like, oh my god, that was such an emotional roller coaster! Wow, and there's so much crammed in. I need to see it again. Right. And he's done that on purpose because it's a business, and he might say he's a Star Wars fan. But he's not doing this as a fan. Uh, Rogue One was a, was a good example of a Star Wars fan making a Star Wars fan movie. Yep. Um, this was not made in the perspective of a, a fan. It was made, okay, this is – we've made a massive investment. And he owns the company. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, he owns you know, the, one of the production companies. So his bad robot company has uh, – made a ton of money and has them and is going to make money because they're on a percentage yep. of the, of the movie profits. So he has to make sure the movie hits hard in the first week. And that's what this is. It's a movie that's going to delight audiences for the first week for Christmas and make them feel good and make them feel wonderful. And then they're going to sit back and go peel under the surface and go, Oh, Oh dear. And the critics oh. have been, well, I'm, <laughs> you know, like that's what they're going to do. Yeah. The critics, are the ones who um, see through this. Right. So I think that's what's going on. And uh, it doesn't mean this is a bad movie. It just means the critics are immediately saying, we know there's, there's nothing. You know, he's pulled too many tricks and gags. It's a, it's a roller coaster ride. You go to Disneyland, you get on the roller coaster. There's moments where it jumps down. Oh, there's relief. And then, oh, there's fear. There's relief. There's fear. There's relief. And, that, and, and Rise of Skywalker is a roller coaster ride. And I mean exactly that, you know. It's it's that's what it's meant to be. Um. So you know, I I I walked out of the theater, and I was watching it. I enjoyed every second of it. Uh, Emotionally, as a human being, was I moved to tears a couple of times? Just about, yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, as a human being, I actually enjoyed the ride, and I thought, man, if if I'm going to die tomorrow. I, I, I will die feeling a little bit happy that I saw something and I allowed myself to go there and be emotional. But as a, as a, you know, as a, as a 
movie maker myself, who's made actually more films than JJ's made. <laughs> you yep. um, And I made more mistakes than he's made. Uh, you know, I have different opinions on it. So, it, you know, you, you, how do you categorize that? How did you walk out, Stuart, feeling when you... Well, I walked in thinking, and I didn't tell Annette any of the feedback because it could potentially have tainted her viewing. Yeah. So I, I dragged her along to watch it. And I went up to the concessions desk and bought a nice little slushy drink in a special Star Wars cup with a nice little R2-D2 lid on it. And I've kept that and I brought it home. And, and I thought, right, here we go. Let's, mm. This is either going to be really good, in which case all the critics that I've read are wrong, or it's going to be bad and they're all right, and I'll probably try and salvage something quite good out of it. And I came out of it thinking, you know what, that was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yes. Because the critics had been kicking the crap out of it like 24 hours before. Yeah. I think if I hadn't seen any reviews... I certainly didn't come out of it in the same way that I came out of The Force Awakens. Which, while sitting there watching The Force Awakens for the first time, I had a big cheesy grin on my face going, wow, mm. finally, finally Star Wars seems to be back for me. Yeah, and I don't mind the prequels. I don't love the prequels, but I don't mind them. They're okay. Mm. Attack of the Clones, I'm not a massive fan of, but other than that, I quite like them. Uh, but The Force Awakens was, for me, joyful. You know, from mm-hmm. the moment you see the Millennium Falcon, you're like, oh, wow, and, and all this sort of stuff. And... Uh, I don't. I think with Rise of Skywalker, I think because of things that happened off screen, so the passing of Carrie Fisher, and mm. uh, it kind of written himself. Well, not written himself into a corner, but he had a lot of things stacked against him. Yeah. So apparently, Force Awakens was uh, Han Solo's story. The Last Jedi was Luke Skywalker's story, and the third one was going to be Leia Organa's story. But obviously, that couldn't happen. So mm. they're like, right. How do we do this? Also, how do we answer all these questions, not only from the previous two films, but also the other six? It's, so it wouldn't have been an easy writing task, I would have no. thought. However, you get paid a lot of money and you've got a lot of talented writers. Just You've got one job, sit down and write a good story. <laughs> Shut up, come out when it's ready type thing. Yes, yeah. I mean, you, James Cameron. Just how hard can it be to write some Avatar movies? Come on. Get on. Um, so yeah. I think there was, there was some there was some things that were stacked against him, but all in all, I came out. Annette loved it. Hey, good. She really, really enjoyed it, and she's usually my benchmark. Yeah. Because if she don't like it, she'll tell me. She'll be like, "That's dreadful." As I remember from Fast and the Furious Seven or Eight, I think it was. I took her to watch. Not a fan. Didn't like it. Crap. But Interesting. We, we came out of Skywalker, and we we both liked it. There was a, a guy behind me, anyway. I can't believe we waited months for that. So it's very divisive. Oh dear. Very, very, very divisive. <laughs> I'm not very happy about that movie. But I enjoyed. There was a couple of bits in it where I'm like. Really? Okay, fair enough. I'm well, 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 sure I would have done what that. Bits? What bits? Uh, I mean, we could start maybe getting into spoilers. So anybody who's not seen it, go away and come back. Go away! Uh, come back later on. Uh, <laughs> you know, Ask me what Neil's New Year's resolutions are later on, and I'll tell you in a tweet. But, so yes, we'll get into spoilers, so we may start ruining plot points.
good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. made me go really i roll was the general hawks really uh, i'm the spy it's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> but only for a split second and i was talking to annette about that today and i said well it, it did make me go what but then wouldn't the spy be the last person you thought it would possibly be and he was probably one of the last people i thought it would be so you know i'll, I'll let that one slide i, I it gave me a laugh <laughs> okay yeah it made me think okay I maybe wouldn't have written that in if it, if I wrote it, but do you know what? I didn't write it, so whatever, it's fine. <laughs> and then I just moved on very very quickly and had a bit of a chuckle. What did uh, you think of Richard E. Grant, who was actually he playing was the amazing. Hutch? He wasn't, wasn't he good? He was born to play that. Oh, he really was. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like he, they could do prequels. I think they do do some spin-offs or whatever, some sidequels. Bring him back, put him in that he role because he wonderful. was great. He yeah. looked imperial. Oh. He really did. He was great. Yes. Uh, Babu Frick, great character. Don't say that the wrong way, though. <laughs> no, no, don't. No, no, I had to think about the way I said that. Uh, there wasn't enough porgs. I thought we could maybe have done with a few more porgs in this movie, but, you know, we saw them. But, yeah. Uh, uh, th- one of the things that made me laugh today, and it's only because people, they look into it way too much. And you and I, Star Wars has been there. Uh, We've been there from the beginning of Star Wars. We remember just before Star Wars, and then Star Wars came out, and we've always mm-hmm. had Star Wars in our life. But uh, st- <laughs> they were they were mad at the fact that Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker is promoting domestic abuse, oh, which I how? didn't. So I went down to Annette and I said, uh, "Did you like Skywalker?" She went, "Yeah." I'm like, oh, "You're just as bad as them." She's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "How can you like a film like that?" She said, what, "What are you on about?" I said. It promotes domestic abuse. What's the matter with you? How can you like that piece of filth? And she's like, what are you talking about? I went, well, obviously you've not recognised, so I will have to 
educate you in, in how it does that. I said uh, the previous film and probably Force Awakens, uh, Kylo Ren was horrible towards Ray, wasn't he? She went, well, yeah, he was. I'm yeah. like, he was, would, would you say he was abusive? She went, oh, I don't know, maybe. I'm like, ah. And then, and then the kiss happens, and then she decides that she likes him. So she's kind of fallen for her abuser, which is promoted. She's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> oh. But this is genuinely one of the articles that's going around now. It's like, oh, come on. This is a film You're about, kidding. about space wizards and, and little <laughs> space weird creatures wizards. and time jumping and all that sort of stuff. It's just like, <laughs> come on. But yeah, no, it's a genuine article I read this afternoon. It's, uh, it's promoting domestic abuse and has no issue with it whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, oh, come on. I, I'm, I'm offended by clickbaiters, and that's what yeah, that is. Yeah, that's clickbaiting. Too. I made sure that I did my review today and there was no mention of any plot and I even put in the title no spoilers whatsoever and I, I think I just put like check it out Rise of Skywalker or something I've never been one of these it's like click on this to find out what happened next I, yeah. hate I never click on those articles never because it's like if you want to tell me tell me in the heading and then I might read your story but yeah, it's 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 a thing, and it's uh, it's it's it goes back to the days of you know headlines and and the newspaper days. You know, put these outrageous headlines up there, even back in the forties and thirties. And <laughs> now it's just say something outrageous and then make you click on the link. It's you know, it's about money. Right. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong because I don't make any. Maybe that's maybe I need to start doing <gasps> deleted scene from from Rise of Skywalker you've never seen because you should try it one day. Put I'm, something I'm outrageous up there. Find yeah, out just, what is under Justin Bieber's pants. You know that sort of article. Well, you know, there's entire people uh, on YouTube who make stuff up about you know the 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 screening of Rise of Skywalker. People have been walking out of the the uh, the advanced screenings and. They were they were in our advanced screenings, and this is what they said, and this is this is what happened, and blah blah blah, and you know, uh, uh, Kathleen Kennedy was was abused by you know by by everybody because she did wrong. She had to go back and reshoot and reshoot. And there's seven versions of the movie. These people have lied to get to get clicks, you know. Yeah. So somebody, that's, some, somebody did walk out of my screening. I suspect they were just going to the bathroom. Yeah. But they might not have been. Yeah, because it was just after the kiss. It's literally the kiss came on screen, and then this guy just got up and walked out. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't pay attention whether it came back or not. But I suspect he was just going to the bathroom. He was probably him. holding it for a long time. You know, God bless him. <laughs> probably was. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm, ah, okay, I've got to go. <laughs> um, but no, I think other than that, I think the general Hux thing made me chuckle. I it, the kiss thing was kind of cheesy, but I get it because it's like, thank yeah, you, thanks I... for sort of saving me. Have a quick peck. You know, they didn't swap engagement rings or anything like that. Well, he, yeah, he, you know, he died then. He did. And I thought that was valid. I thought, well, they've made everyone happy. Um, the way I looked at the whole film is like, well, I've, you know, he had certain things. He had a list of things he had to fix. And, uh, you know, from The Last Jedi, I'm not saying it was, it was you know, he, he made the mistake of going in there, doing the first film without a plan. He didn't give the plan to Ryan Johnson to follow or, you know, Kathleen didn't or whoever, you know. And then uh, that's the mistake they've made all along. You can, you know, they say, well, it was always planned that it wasn't. It wasn't. Not at all. They're they're three separate movies that just happen to be about similar characters. And if you actually looked at, you know, apart from Luke Skywalker dying, spoiler, um, 
in in the second film the second film is irrelevant you could you could watch film one and film three together yeah and uh you know have 10 seconds to show luke dies uh, and and then you've you you basically have have you know the whole story so it's you know it's kind of i won't say people drop the ball but when when you're making a, a movie trilogy and you got george lucas he's got a plan now you can look, watch episode one two and three and you can see a progression of the story mm-hmm. you watch seven eight and nine there is no progression of story it is a little bit but there, there, there should have been a hint to the Phantom, the Phantom Menace returning. You know, there should have been some hint, of, uh, uh, you, you know, something to tell us. Oh, well, there's something going on in the outer regions. Well, what can it be? You know, there, there should there should have been something in there just to to hint. Oh, here's the Knights of Ren, but we're not really going to show them, and then we're going to forget about them for movie two, and they've turned up in movie three, and they're actually Sith. Yep. So why don't you just call them the Knights of Sith, <laughs> the Sith <Exactly>. Knights? <laughs> um, you know, I, that's that's the only that's the biggest criticism I have. But you know, JJ did fix all the problems. You know, in episode uh, from from episode eight, um, you know, he kind of trashed Rose, the the Kaylin the <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yep. <laughs> you know, I, I like I didn't mind her. I didn't hate her like everyone's carrying on about. I thought she was okay and valid, and her performance was good. Kind of relegated her to nothing. Uh, kind of even oh, the, you know, the Luke Skywalker throwing away the lightsaber shock. Yeah, it got rid of that really quickly. You should treat that with respect. Yeah, well, hang on a minute. You didn't in the last film. <laughs> you threw it over your shoulder. And that one line was the one f you to 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 Ryan Johnson. I, you yeah. know, I'm sorry, but that really was. I've heard a few people picking up on that line. Going, yeah, yeah that was the one way where JJ's like, nope. Yeah, or maybe not necessarily JJ, but Disney or or whoever it was. But nope, we're we're gonna try and claw by that. I enjoyed the Last Jedi. I did too. Yeah, it's, it I, didn't feel. Somebody was asking me today, saying they weren't really a fan of the Last Jedi. Will Rise of Skywalker fix the issues? I said, Well, Rise of Skywalker will make you appreciate Last Jedi a little bit better. And <laughs> style-wise, it's see, Last Jedi is the one Star Wars film that sticks out style-wise, very different from any of the other ones. Mm. And Rise of Skywalker is kind of similar style, but also looks a bit more Star Warsy. So it's clawing it back. Yeah, I, I I did come out of Rise of Skywalker feeling my I got my Star Wars fix. Yeah, um, you know which I haven't felt that since Rogue One, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, you know there was a lot in it for me. Um, I, I I tell you something interesting. Going back on the social media thing for a second, Ryan Johnson. Uh, I I somehow his Twitter came up because I you know I. I, I feel for the guy i truly do do because we have the same last name both our first names have four letters and you know so i kind of feel for him a bit so that could have been me (laughs) copying the abuse from people um and now i saw something about his knives out film and i read the comments and everybody said we love you we love you we need you back we are so sorry (laughs) we are i i kid you not it is unbelievable not you killed my childhood you killed luke even though he did kill luke shame on him um (laughs) uh, it was like we are so sorry we need you please come back to star wars (laughs) it's crazy because two years ago they were like burning hell ryan and now it's burning hell jj and i mean i always it makes me chuckle 
but also makes me feel really sorry for George Lucas, where back in 99 or 98, 97, they were all like, we need more Star Wars. We've not had Star Wars. George, please make more Star Wars. Please, please make back, more George. Star Wars. Fuck you, George. We don't want those Star Wars. Please make other Star Wars. It's like, you want me, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Well, it's, the majority of the hate, the, the hate videos um, for Rise of Skywalker, hmm. uh, you know, before it came out, of saying, you know, this is how bad it is. That, you know, they brought George Lucas back to, back to fix it, and this is the version, and they gave all plot details of what George Lucas's version was, right. and this is the one that tests best with you. It was all lies. Yeah. But everyone's saying, you know, bring him back, you know, and, and it's so interesting that, uh, you know, people are like the wind. They're just changing their opinions constantly. And it's – I'm waiting for the revolution to start where everyone says to all the – the the online negative nancies and the the people who have an opinion that it becomes you know rather than you know it becomes very uncool to be one of those people to sit there and give your opinion i think there's gonna have to be a point in humanity where we say your opinion needs to be earned and vetted before you can give your opinion yeah you know uh, because we've all got opinions and you, you know you and me we we both love star wars you know, you you thought the Huck scene was a bit odd. I I thought it was humorous. <laughs> yeah. But oh yeah, well, I don't. Not for a second was I like, right, I'm I'm leaving now. It was just like, no. what? what? <laughs> okay, well, fair enough. I, I, I yeah, and I, I I you know, but this see, this is humanity. We all will have a different. We we all may love the same things, but but uh, you know, it, it's there's a point where people have to to be silent. And, you know, it's the same thing with, with people saying, Oh, you know, I, I read a book about some new age, um, spiritual healing. If you eat this herb, it's going to heal you cancer. Okay. And, and that stuff goes around and it has killed people. Yeah. And those people are still sprouting their nonsense. Please buy my product. It cures cancer. Um, and I, Steve McQueen died from one of those mystery cancer cure products that weren't real. So there's going to have to be a point where people have to be silent if, if they have an opinion and learn to uh, become educated and vetted in, in, you know, okay, you have an opinion now. I, I once had the opinion that the whole of humanity was doomed unless they accepted Jesus Christ. Okay. And I was a very young boy. Yeah, I grew up and now it's like I think – I, my opinion right now is Christianity is, is a blight on civilization and, and all religion should be erased. Uh, well, that was me maybe four years ago. And today it's like, well, some people need religion. Yeah. So it's okay. You know, the, the, my opinion changes like the wind. So yeah, with, with religion and stuff, it's like I'm not a religious person. But do you know what? If you, if you feel a lot better for going home and, and praying to something, so be it. It yeah. doesn't impact my – but then when you start knocking on my door going, this is how you need to live your life. You need to do what I'm doing or you'll be damned. Then I think that's when it becomes a major issue. Yeah. But see, Stuart, I was that guy. I was that guy. Oops. Yeah. You know, and now it's like I find those people disgusting. And the moment they step on my doorstep, I will rattle their cage beyond, <laughs> you know, nobody's business and, and tell them why they're wrong. Yeah. You know? But again, it's my opinion, you know, and, and their opinion is, well, this guy's a crazy man. Um, the Jehovah's Witnesses listed my house once as a house you never visit. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I got told that. Did they actually have a list? Wow. <laughs> the elders, one, one guy came to me uh, after I rattled them and told them, this is why your religion's wrong. And I gave him full 
proof because I was an expert on, you know, yeah. came back to me and said, thank you for saying that. Um, you actually have changed my life. <laughs> um, just so you know, they'll never visit you again because the elders have said this is a house we don't ever go to. We, you know, we wipe it. There, there's some technical term for it, but you know, is, is, if you're a religious person, isn't that the house that you really do want to keep going back to, or is that just me? <laughs> I would, no, because I was dangerous because I, I. <laughs> yeah. I took these young young Jehovah's Witnesses aside and explained to them why their religion was was completely wrong, using their own words. Yeah. Because um, I was... Like, Good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then they, they listened. <laughs> wow. So, so, but this is people's opinions. These are people's opinions, you know, and we all have opinions and not, none of it's right. Um, so, you know, I, I'm... I'm I'm suffering pain from watching Rise of Skywalker because, you know, I, I don't know if I liked the movie. I, I loved it, but I don't know if I, I – I know I wouldn't have done the same, but I don't know – I know exactly what I would have done. Um, and uh, I don't know if my movie would have opened to as big a numbers as it's going to make $200 million this weekend. You know? I think that's the trade-off, isn't it? It's like, as much as I'm enjoying doing my little films and I'm looking forward to cracking on with those editing, if somebody came to me and said, right, you will make money if you, if you change this and change that and, and make them all talk with a different accent, I don't know whether I'd go, do you know what, I'm sticking to my guns, or i go, uh, all right, I'll take money, <laughs> fine, because then I can go do more films. I've been in that position, Stuart. <laughs> I have been yeah. in that exact position with my films. Uh, and I would say probably uh, the movies I love the most, my most beloved movies are the movies where I stuck to my guns, yeah. but, the, but they also make the least amount of money. Isn't it? I know, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> you know, nobody could say, oh, it's, it's like when people say about music bands, they go, oh, I don't like them anymore. They're sold out. Yeah. Yeah. I'd sell out. <laughs> if somebody, if somebody phoned me up tomorrow and said, I'll pay you a thousand pounds a week to do a football podcast. And I hate football. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I'm done. I'm in. I'm selling out. I'm good. Oh, but where Stuart, I, where do I start? I wouldn't it, enjoy it. It, but it I does use destroy it to... your soul, Stuart. I've been there. It really destroys your soul. It does, but it will. It will enable me to do little other things that will restore my soul. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be my logic. I know, and you're right, but <laughs> it, it does destroy your soul. Because <laughs> my my night job destroys my soul, but it also gives me money to pay rent. And to pay the internet bill and you yeah. know, go to film events and hang out with the Soska sisters. And, and that's true. Th- things like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm clawing onto my soul where possible. Well, you know, I, I envy you for that. I, I envy anyone who has a job because I don't have a job apart from what I do. And it'd be so nice to get a paycheck. It would be so, mm. so lovely. So I, I, I envy you for this. Well, I've got two projects kind of lined up for next year. I'm going back to Grimfest again, which was the Manchester one, because they've extended it from three days to five days. So I've managed to get all the time off for that next year, which is next October, I believe. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, Mick Garris is going to be there, who I've been a fan of Mick Garris's work for years. I've yes. seen Stephen King's The Stand. The Stand. So many times. So yeah. many times. So I will actually next year be sitting down chatting to Mick Garris. So I'm nice. very excited about that. I don't know nice. which other guests are going yet, but uh, they will be announced at some point. And I've also managed to get the time off for London Fright Fest. And I've all, also been told that I will be able to get press access for that. So 
God knows who I'm going to be speaking to at that one. But that's also another five-day thing around August, I believe. So I have actually, other than this year, uh, this year has been a write-off for me event-wise. I mean, Grimfest was amazing, but that was pretty much the only event I went to this year. Uh, and next year I've at least got two lined up, so I'm getting quite excited. Mm. Yes, see, that's fun. You know, the, I, I wish I could I could have that 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 um, freedom, shall we say? You know, I, I'm I'm bound by the almighty dollar, and I'm now a prisoner for two years, being locked in a room, uh, editing a you know the love that my greatest movie, <laughs> but I'm still a prisoner to that now. I'm a slave to it, so you know, um, it's just one of those things. But I, I back to the rise of Skywalker, I. I my frustration with what they did and didn't do and what I would have done differently is what I think I, you know what it did? It, you know, it's like, and I'm, you know, talking about the stuff at the end, the emperor and oh my God, the, the, the thing I would have done at the end is a whole different thing. But I, I felt myself, okay, I've got an, I've got an opinion on what they should have done at the end. And it made me want to go and, uh, shoot, shoot and, well, no, 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 I, I, no, 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 <laughs> no, it, it made me want to go and shoot an extra scene for my, for the time war. And this is how I should have, would have approached it, uh, that end scene. And it was an, I felt that was a good reaction because I was like, well, I'm angry, not angry. I wasn't angry, but I was annoyed how they handled the ending and I would have done it differently. I don't have a right to really have an opinion because, you know, I don't, um, you know, because it's his movie. But rather than me bitch and scream about it, why don't I just go and do better myself? Why don't I just go and make something and say, this is how I would have done that, the ending in spirit. And so it's inspired me to write an extra scene for the time war. You know, that that's kind of how I, I, I deal with that. What did you think of the ending? <laughs> I, I didn't mind the ending. I, t- the problem is it's, I was chatting to somebody about this before I watched Rise of Skywalker. And it was a case of, you know, wait for the internet trolls to come out. And it just seems a lot of people, and we're guilty of that as well, we want the same magic that we got back in 77, 80. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when Jedi came out in 83, we want that, wow, that's amazing. I mean, if you technically take the films, so you take Mm -hmm. the original trilogy and then you take... The, the the new trilogy the the look of these new films is way better than the original ones oh is you it know, ever? way better but the storyline is maybe not as good but maybe it is i don't know i just think we we've come so far with cinema you know if you'd have released uh, last jedi in 77 that would have been one of the best films ever made people would have they would have loved it till the end of time and then 42 years later they'd still be talking about how that's better than every other one yeah so i think a lot of it nostalgia i think damages a lot so i had no idea how they could possibly close out you know an 11 because so i'm counting the two ewok movies uh, so it's like 13 films altogether isn't it if you count yeah. the two Ewok movies and Solo and, and Rogue One and stuff, how do you close? This is the same problem that Game of Thrones had. I mean, that'd only be running eight years, but it's like, how the heck do you end that story? Which mm. isn't even as big as how do you close the Skywalker saga? So uh, I, I didn't come out of it thinking, do you know how I would have? I genuinely don't do not know how I would have ended it any different than how they did. Well, here's what I would have done. I would have added 30 minutes to the movie. 
<laughs> because, <laughs> because why? Why not? You know? Yeah. And and then I would have made that whole third act, you know, ridiculously long. And here's what would have happened. And maybe they're going to do this. And I have a reasons for saying this, but um, so you know, Ray meets the Emperor, and he's. He, I think we lost some of his wonderful moments. You know, his beautiful lineage. If you look how he speaks in uh, Revenge of the Sith, and how he speaks in this, and you know, he's so wonderful in Revenge of the Sith. Here he's just lipping around with some, you know, some lipstick. And he was just saying the words and repeating his lines from Return of the Jedi a lot. Um, so what I would have done, okay, so he says, okay, we've got all the Sith here. So you see all these guys with with cowls on everywhere. Okay, so it's an interesting concept. Um, and I would have expanded on the Sith lore a little bit more. So rather than just sitting in a, in a giant grandstand watching what's going on like it's, uh, you know, a, a, a show, <laughs> basically. It was like an arena. Um, I would have had the individual Sith Lords visible, which would have meant so much more work. So then you're going to see Darth Revan and Darth, you know, Bannerman and Darth everybody standing there. Darth um, Johnson and Darth Bannerman, all like that. Yeah, but, you know, suddenly you see all these, these, you know, one or two ghostly Sith people standing there. And you just go, wow, look at that. How interesting is that? You know, there's all of the, the this ghost that, you know, this is the ghost army of the dead. And uh, so basically Ray was facing not just Palpatine, but also the entire Sith, you know, empire. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, there's so many of them. This is, this opens my mind up to so much more. This is so much bigger than I expected. Let's, you know, let's go epic. So there they all are. It's worth the effort to do this, by the way. Um, so how does Ray fight that? Well, uh, she would then, okay, we hear their voices in her head, you know, going to call on the other Jedi, you know. Suddenly, and this is going back to George Lucas's original uh, idea for Return of, the, Return of the Jedi. Ben Kenobi, or Obi-Wan Kenobi was supposed to come back in the flesh and help Luke fight, which, oh, he doesn't need the help. He can do this by himself. Um, whatever, but... She obviously needed the help because she was untrained, you know, and she was, uh, you know, she's magical. She's just born magical. So bring back, I, I would have had her go to the dark side and, like, you know, shown her completely, you know, dark side ray and have her go completely ballistic dark. Uh, and then she starts fighting with herself. And then Ben. Ben Solo comes in and tries to drag her back to the light and together they're not strong enough. So suddenly all the force ghosts come back. So you see Luke Skywalker come back leading Yoda, uh, leading Mace Windu, leading, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, all of them, an army of all the ones that we just missed and loved from the, you know, from the prequels and, and they all come back, you know, including a Sokotano from the, from the, you know, from the, the comics uh, from the cartoon series and they all come back and they're with lightsabers, but they become physical, you know, much more physical than they've ever been before, you know, much more solid. And then Luke leads the army of the Jedi to fight the army of the Sith. And then it's like this complete physical battle, you know, like you've never seen on cinema before, except maybe on Lord of the Rings, the return of the King, but one of those sort of battles, where they just, 
you know, hack and slash and fight each other to the death. So they're all, you know, destroyed and the Sith are defeated that way. That's how you defeat a Sith army, you know, with an army of Jedi. Yeah. And not with just one person, you know, who who suddenly has magic. Um, <laughs> because, you know, that would be, wow, together, you know, we as a humanity can fight any evil. You know, that's that's the message. And I think J.J. didn't – he was so under the gun to fix everything that he didn't think about, okay, what's, my, what's the message? What do I want to say to people? And uh, I don't think he had anything to say. I really don't. I think he just went in there saying, oh, I've got to finish this, got to make money for my company, got to finish the movie. But what does his heart tell him? And the movie is structured just like it's, – it's, it's edited just like J.J. Abrams is. I met him once years ago um, before he did Star Trek or encountered him, should I say, you know, for about 10 seconds. But the way he speaks, he just goes, oh, I'm talking really fast. He's like super, super fast talker but very – terse and direct and and doesn't want to give out say too much just want to say little snippets and move on little snippets move on that's how the movie was it was a reflection of his person his personality and that's okay but that's not you know there's a point where you've got to take yourself out of the the film and let the film speak to you and let the film become what it is and yeah it'll always have your flavor in it but he did not he was not allowed to and i say this because time budget uh he was not allowed to step back and let the movie become its own thing and become its own entity. Let the movie breathe as Luke Skywalker says to, to Ray breathe. They didn't take the lessons of the movie into themselves. (laughs) They they broke the rules of the Jedi. Uh, And so it was a, it was a, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Oh, let's kill Chewie. Oh no, he's back. And by the way, if you didn't realize how he died, little tell you twice how he died, uh, how he, how he didn't die. In case you need to know, you know, because the audience have to follow. And in one point, it was like, well, okay. Um, all I had to say, yeah, we lost the ship. We lost one of the, the we lost two of the, well, one of the transports, but the other two made it back. <laughs> you know, but they didn't have to say twice, you know. So I think that that's, that's what went wrong. It's such a machine. Uh, and I've been there myself, you know, when I did Starship. That movie was such a monster of, of a production, Starship Rising. Um, you know, for those who don't know, haven't seen it, don't. Don't waste your time. Um, oh, I like that film. <laughs> I, I will, I'm defending your movie. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Wait till you see the proper version. But yep. uh, let, me, let me tell you the pressure I was under on that was exactly the same pressure he was under. You know, distributors saying, okay, this movie better be nonstop action non-stop there, there can't be any comedy there can't be any emotional character moments this has just got to be a roller coaster ride and you want to make some money i say yes i do because i'm broke please help me um you want to make some money well this is what you got to do and it's got to be like star trek but darker and that's what i was told that's why i did it and i did shoot extra stuff and all this you know other things that never made the cut and then it was like, you better deliver this movie on this date or your career is going to be over. This is what I was told maybe six or eight times uh, in the run-up to finishing the movie. And I got told the same again with Starship 2. You, you need to deliver this movie within two months. And uh, you know, three months I had to deliver the movie. And I had, I, all I had was a rough cut. And I had to finish it, do the effects, and kick it out the door. Neither of those movies had a chance to breathe. Uh, and the same with Humanity's End. That movie did not have a chance to breathe and become a, have a life of its own. So 
you know, in retrospect, then I've, I'm going back with humanity's end and fixing it, uh, doing it the way I wanted it to be done. I'm going back with Starship eventually and doing it the way it should have been done. Because, and I, I'm going to guess that this is my gut feeling. Rise of Skywalker should have been two movies, not one. They should have said, here's the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we didn't tell you this, but there's, a, there's an episode 10. And come back next Christmas. Could you imagine the the fan thing? I reckon would be amazing. I think they would be super happy if that came about. Yeah, it would have they been genuinely a great... think they would be like, "Oh my god, we got another one." Yeah, great. Yeah. But here's the thing: they, with everything they shot, they could have made two movies if they let the movie breathe. And uh, you know, it's like the Deathly Hallows Part One and Two. You know that. Yeah. It would have cost them an extra hundred million dollars to do this, an extra, because I, I kind of I know how they they do the budget breakdowns, but an extra Star Wars movie for an extra hundred million dollars, well, you know, <laughs> it's a no brainer, isn't it? Even if that came out and yeah. people hated it, you're still going to make more than a hundred million in in a couple of oh, weeks. Oh, absolutely, right? easily, absolutely. Easily. So here's what yeah. they're going to do. Here's my so they did it. With, they did this with Endgame. Uh, it is my guess. They probably won't, but they might. Uh, oh, let's re-release Endgame, and here's an extra scene in Endgame that you that we didn't put in the first version. So they're going to say, after Christmas, oh, you like that Rise of Skywalker movie? Yes, it's coming out on Blu-ray. I think they're not going to do it, but it's coming out on Blu-ray. Well, here's the extended cut that goes three, three hours, not yeah. two and a half, an extra half an hour of all the stuff you wanted. Here it is. And we're going to hand it over to you, and you've got to go back to the cinema and watch Rise of Skywalker again so that we can make an extra half a million dollars. And, you know, that that's what they should do. If that happened, would you rush off back to the cinema to watch it, or would you just go, do you know what, I'm going to wait for it to hit home release? I'd probably wait for the home release, I think. There's I very few films nowadays where I would go back to cinema twice. I would go back. Would you go back? Yeah, and I think a lot of people who had a problem with, you know, the with the rise of Skywalker, Skywalker initially would go back to see how it, if they fixed it. And you know, it's it's like the extended cut of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I love them. I refuse to ever watch the theatrical versions. Yes, yeah, no point. I'm a bit like that with Aliens. Yeah, you know, I love the theatrical one, and that was the one that I grew up with. But then when the VHS came out with the special edition, exactly, and then you know. I, I, that's the one I always watch but then uh, Annette and I went to a cinema screening of Aliens at the Grimfest sometimes do a science fiction festival every couple of years and they were showing a special screening of that and it's like oh it's a theatrical still kind of cool because that's the way it would have been seen back in the day but part of you is like oh I want the sentry guns why are they yeah. there yeah, exactly. <laughs> why do we not get to see the attack on the colony yeah well, exactly and why can't we go back to see Newt with her brother yeah, exactly. That wasn't yeah. in there, but it was still kind of cool. But yeah, I, you know, I, 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 yeah, I and and uh, I think that that would be a smart move. Doesn't mean they'll do it, because I think they're too disorganized to really pull that one off. You know, I don't think there's enough, you know, going on there. Now, the interesting point is, around the time of, uh, you know, Kevin Feige has announced he's doing a Star Wars movie. But he hasn't said what. Mark Hamill was not involved in the press on any of this movie. He was pissed. You could tell. He is pissed off 
about Rise of Skywalker because he should have come back and and done more cool stuff. And he yeah, had- he didn't really do much, did he? <laughs> I think at one point I was thinking, is he going to be back in this one, or is he just you know stepping this one out? But he stepped it out, and I'm very sad about that. And they punished him because he was too vocal. Um, and I'm I'm you know I if they were smart, uh, they would do a and in my opinion. Episode six, uh, seven, eight, and nine is in fact uh, ten, eleven, and twelve. They would now go back and do ep- the real episode six, seven, and nine, and do it with uh, de aging or yes. something. Yeah. Uh, or, they could, they could, couldn't they? Obviously, Princess Leia, you would have yeah, some issues that's with. A problem. But, but, but maybe, could, maybe a Luke Sky, maybe the Luke Skywalker movie. Because yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to reckon a guess. Okay, the Luke Skywalker Jedi Academy movie, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Um, just call it Skywalker or something. So after Return of the Jedi, Luke goes off on his own and and has an, has something happening. Yep. Um, and they get Mark Hamill back and give him his own movie to kind of fill the gap. Yeah. And there is a, there's a lot of gap to fill, isn't there, really? What, wouldn't you like to years. see that movie? I would like to see that movie. Yeah. Wouldn't we all like to see that, you know? <laughs> and and, and 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 da and get Harrison Ford back and dh Harrison Ford stick him on the stick him on the Millennium Falcon. And I'll tell you why this might be a you know a possibility is um, Kevin Feige is a big Star Wars fan and he's probably on on the on like me standing on the background going oh man no that's not what they should have done they should have done this he's gone to K- Kathleen Kennedy say I'm so angry about Last Jedi and now Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> This is what I want to do. Please, can I do it? I just did the Marvel movie. Um, I want to do this. And she was going to yeah. say, yeah, you're right. Do it. Just do it. Because Kevin Feige, you know, he knows what he's doing. And that's what he sh- he, he should do. Uh, and I believe, I, that's my guess is what he'll probably do. He wants to bring back Star Wars that we love. And I think if Kevin Feige does one, it'll be something we all enjoy. Um, because they are directionless. And it's pretty, pretty obvious. And I... I it takes a visionary to, to lead. Uh, and I don't think there's a visionary, you know, in Lucasfilm right now. And that's a pity. There is, but they're not in charge. Right. So, you know, um, what did you think about Hugh, Chewbacca's death? <laughs> uh, I, I, I kind of knew that it wasn't going to happen because it just felt very, oh, he's gone. I'm thinking, no, if they were going to do it, it would have been more epic than that. It would have been like a Han Solo moment. Yeah. Uh, and that did shock me when I first saw Force Awakens and Han. I know people that went, oh, you could see that coming. I genuinely did not see that coming at all. Yeah. You know, when he's there and I'm like, oh, my God, because you just did not expect them to bump off Han Solo in the first of the, this new trilogy. Yeah. That I, genuinely I, hit me. But when the Chewbacca thing came, I'm like, yeah. He'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be back. It was it was a bit of a cheap shot, I felt. Yeah. You know. Oh, and the C three PO mind erase thing. What did you think of that? <laughs> it, it was humorous. It was probably the, the feeling I got from that was probably the same one you got from Hux, where it just yeah. made you chuckle. You like that's kind of funny. You know, this whole uh, Baba Baba Frick. Oh, he's my best friend. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. It, funny. it was nice to have some humor in. There yeah. wasn't as much humor as Last Jedi. So I, I had no problem with the humor in Last Jedi either. The the chucking of the lightsaber made me chuckle mm. uh, when I saw that. So I, I wasn't. I certainly didn't come out of Last Jedi angry or or right. That's it. They ruined my childhood. And the same way I didn't come out of Rise of Skywalker going JJ burning hell. Yeah, I I, you know. I don't think you should burn in hell. I I feel for the guy. 
you know, it's, uh, I'm going to take, when look, he's got a, he's a, he's a human being with a life, with a family, with a company to run a big major company, bad robots, a big company. I've seen their building. Um, and he's got a lot of, you know, responsibility, and then for him to run off and direct a movie, and then he can't step back and, and sit there and ponder the movie and ponder. He has okay, it's done. I've got to move on because he's got so much in his life. And if he was, a, I dare I say this, a single guy without a company to run who's really invested in story, like, you know, like whoever, I think he would have done a better job because he would have been, you know, mentally clear to do it. And I don't think he could have done a better job considering all the, um, the stuff he's dealing with in life. You know, it's, it's impossible. George couldn't pull it off. George was so distracted with the running Lucasfilm that he couldn't do a he couldn't focus properly on um, you know the the prequels and that that's what uh, you know Neil Johnson has learned from these people and stepped back and said I have to isolate myself from the world in order for me to make a great piece of art because you don't want to have the distractions and the voices and both these men have voices in their head and producers telling them things. That's why, you know, I think I'm doing my best work now. It's because I've stopped listening to the voices. I've silenced everybody. Um, And you you need to, don't you? You do. You know, I remember when I'd done the the Comic-Con documentary thing that I'd done, which was my experiment in can I turn something I've already shot into something that's, you know, watchable or whatever. And I'd put it on there, and I think uh, Fraser from Cops and Monsters, he messaged me and he said, oh, I liked it. Uh, Would you like some notes on it? And I went, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, no, I don't want. I don't want your notes on it. It's what I've done. I'm kind of happy with it. That's all I'm bothered about. Yeah. If he'd have said you want some notes and a guarantee you'll make money from it, I'd be like, what are them notes? Send them over <laughs> to me now. In fact, I'll phone you up. Read them out, please. Thank you. But no, I was I was good, and I'm the same with the Mimi films as well. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not expecting them to come out and be the most amazing film in the history of cinema, but if they're watchable and I like them. Then I'm oh, okay and I, I can't wait for Mimi. I, and I, you know, this is who I, I have to step back with things and say I just want to sit and enjoy it yep. for whatever it is. And you know, I'm the first person to say I, I won't give you notes because I, I don't. I, I want to enjoy the, you know, I want to enjoy it and just sit there and just be a fan, you know. And I, be honest, I'm a fan of what you're doing. I, I'm excited to see. Especially if it's black and white, because you know, you, you, I know you're toying with the idea. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, you do whatever you want, Stuart. Um, if you make it black and white, great. If yeah. not, great too. But you do what speaks. If the material speaks to you and says that I need to be black and white, I get this, Stuart. I truly get this. Well, it was like I think it was Bob who asked something about how how things have changed from the first one to the second one and i said well running time wise they're probably going to be the same they're like quarter of an hour each or whatever it is give or take i've shot an hour and a quarter for each one though so who knows what length they'll be i shot everything but uh the the first one was shot in nine hours i think in a single Mm -hmm. location and i came out with one hour 14 worth of footage and weirdly enough, that's exactly the same number that I came out with the second one. I don't know how. That's just one of them weird things. But that was shot in about three hours in the single location. So I'm getting there. Uh, which which was more enjoyable, the process? I enjoyed the process of the second one. Yeah. Uh, reason being, the first one, there was myself, there was Annette, there was Lamissa, and there were her two parents uh-huh. and me. The second one, it was just me, Lamissa, and Lamissa's mum. So there was less people for me to go, right, do I need to hurry this up because I'm conscious you lot are stood over there 
waiting for me to finish it. And I'd, I'd learned a, a little bit from the first one, mm-hmm. not only about how to use the camera, but also to design where the shot was going to go. So for the second one, we got to the location where, remember when we flew the drone up yes. in the outdoor yes. location, that's where the second one was shot. It was a case of, right, I know where the location is in my head. I know what I need to be able to sit the camera on to point up in the exact direction to capture what I need to way before I got there. Yeah. So I'd already I had everything in a bag. And hopefully with the third one, which uh, will be like January, February, I think, which is another single location one with just me and Lamissa in the actual, you know, in front of the camera and Lamissa's mum behind the camera uh, for, for a lot of it. I'll have learned a lot by then as well. And then I'll have all three films shot and then I could do what you're doing, but nowhere near on the same scale. I could just lock myself in a room and go, right, I'm going to edit it till it's done. And then do it all in one go. But you see, Stuart, it is the same scale because it means as much to you as it does to me. And because, you know, the uh, the amount of learning you have to go through, I still have to learn how to do things. You know, I have to teach myself new skills every time to this day. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it, it is. It really is important to you. And, I, I, you know, that's why I'm very excited by the process. It's like it's like your first time, you know, in a way it's like you're, you, you know, you are doing what you are doing is, uh, is, is magic, but you don't realize how magical it is until 10 years later. So I still, I still think of it as an experiment and I, I will tell people like, Oh, you're making a film. Well, kind of, it's a bit of an experiment in the same way that, you know, Annette and I haven't eaten meat since the end of October other than me with the, obviously the sausage roll incident, yes. which was not fun. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> and she, she happily tells people, yes, I'm a vegetarian, whereas I'm still, well, I'm not a vegetarian, I just don't eat meat, and it's an experiment. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same with the filmmaking. I'm still not comfortable going, I'm a filmmaker. Because uh, I've made the ingredients, mm-hmm. I've you know, shot all the footage, and I have the music and everything, so I've got all the ingredients ready, but can I turn it into something that's edible? that only then will i go i've made a film yeah and and you know what i i you will you will make it edible at least to your taste i i you know i like eating uh i used to like eating chicken breast that was really dry and stringy (laughs) and i cooked i cooked a meal once for my family and nobody else liked it (laughs) um but i thought it was great you know so we all have our own tastes and flavor, and as long as you please yourself, uh, I think that's a, a very good step forward. Yeah, and I'm just I, worried about uh, things like because obviously, is I, I don't want to get to the point where it's like, oh no, something doesn't work. Yeah, because <laughs> I can't go back and reshoot stuff. I, I, I could to a certain extent. But she's aged, but hasn't she? She's <laughs> aged. I mean, she has aged. When I was talking to uh, Lamissa's mum uh, just before we were doing the second one, she was like, right, so do you need her to wear the same things that she wore last time? I went, no. I said, because I've written it into the storyline that the t- between the first one being shot and set is exactly the same amount of time for the second one. So it's fine. And then the third one will be written in that it's so people aren't going to go, that's kind of weird. So it's actually aged. <laughs> and yeah. uh, we, I'd shot a flashback scene from the first one when we shot the second one, but like shot it, it was when it was going dark. Yeah. 
So I'm like, look, just make sure she's wearing the same dressing gown that she was wearing at the end of the first one. It's fine. Right, well, how do you need how do you need it to look? I'm like, I'm not going to see her face. I'm just going to shoot her from behind. Or as long as her hair color is the same color, it's fine. It's not a problem. So you could, you won't be able to tell the difference on that. But I would never go back and shoot the face to then use in a film that was set like a year ago. So I'm, I'm very conscious of all those sort of craziness. But it's it's kind of like remember the film I was talking to where they talking to you about where they'd reverse the shot in uh, the pallet fight scene. Yes, yes, you know, like, yes, I do. I, I am so nervous about getting to that point and go, that thing that I really, really need, I don't have. How do I do it? But I don't think I, I need to get to that point, but that's probably one of my concerns. It's like, oh, no, I need that bolt to be able to hold these two planks together, and I thought of one. Yeah, well, I think I'm, I think I'm okay. I, I, I actually learned something from George Lucas once. I don't know, I learned a lot, but one thing he said to me um, – when you're shooting a movie, it's like you're gathering uh, raw materials. You can't think of it as, oh, every shot's going to capture like, the whole movie. It's all pieces. It's all you're, you're gathering raw materials to create a, uh, you know, a perfect picture. And so the only way to, to, to stop yourself from having that, those problems is shoot as much as possible. And, uh, you know, yeah overthink a little bit oh i might maybe i need this extra shot i've done that many times myself like do i need an extra shot not really but i'm just gonna do it and in the end i thank god i shot it so i you know that's 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 the lesson of life but you've got to be allowed to make those mistakes in the first time so you can learn you know why why you do certain things you know um and i i think that's you know that that's part of the lesson but it's every mistake you make and i've probably made more mistakes than any other filmmaker on the planet uh, that's why I, I'm only starting to get good now. And this is a director of 32 years, you know, and I'm not saying I'm good. I'm not saying I'm I see good. you. I've got, I've got several of your movies and I like them. Yeah. You, you just wait, you know, but, just when you see what, what's coming, you're going to be your own critic though, aren't you? You're, you're never going to watch. I wouldn't have thought you're never going to watch one of your films. Go, you know what? That's amazing. I really, really enjoyed that. It's great. Nothing I would change whatsoever. Um, I think you're probably going to be like, oh, I'll do that different. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I do have one of the, uh, the movie Chrononaut, yep. which is one of my lo- lowest budget movies. Um, I, I'm pretty proud of that, even though all the actors hate me with a vengeance. <laughs> I don't know why. I do know why, but yep. the, the, I didn't do anything wrong. It's just, you know, gossip and, you know, whatever. But, I, I'm I'm quite proud of that. Yeah, I'll probably actually no. You're right. I, there is a bunch of stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you see, yeah, completely right. <laughs> um, I yeah, you know, it, and that that's the the artist. I, I and I the, very interesting point on that actually. Um, I, I did a lot of screenwriting classes when I was young in, in mid nineties, uh, 92, 93, 94 by, you know, people who'd written screenplays in Australia who probably didn't have the experience of the Americans, but they had, they'd done some stuff. And so I did a lot of screenwriting courses in Sydney. And I remember one screenwriting teacher, uh, sat me down and she says, you know, class, well, how do you know when a script is done? How do you know when your script is finally done? And I said to, I said, sir, um, I, I don't believe it's ever done. I believe, you know, there's always an evolving process. 
you, with with scripts and you you know there's always some point, point you can improve it or make it better there's in the same with the movie he says no mr johnson you're wrong so when you finish a script and it has an and you feel it's good and it has that energy it has that feeling it kind of glows that's how you know when it's done and i thought to myself i don't know if i agree with that statement you know um now go back go ahead 20 years later the guy's never had a produced screenplay. He's written a lot. Of, he's sold a lot of scripts, and nothing's ever been produced. Meanwhile, I've leapt ahead and had a bunch of movies made. So I, I, I've won. You know, I wonder who was right in that situation. Um, and I, you know, I, I think even Stanley Kubrick has said the same thing. As you know, it's never done. When I'm in the edit room, I'm changing the movie script. I am rewriting the film in the edit room. It's never done. It's never going to be 100% perfect. It'll be acceptable to release. And, you know, back to Rise of Skywalker, I know for a fact JJ's looking at it going, huh, if he's, if he's got any artistic merit about him, he's going to look in and say, man, I wish I'd done this, I wish I'd done that. And uh, he will probably, you know, uh, I would hope he does a special edition. I would hope he does. He might not because he's too, you know, switched on to doing something new. Yeah. But I know I feel that way <laughs> about everything. <laughs> you, you wish he had. <laughs> I, yeah, yep. I know Stanley Kubrick felt that way. Uh, I know George Lucas felt that way. Stanley Kubrick was fixing errors and things that bugged him uh, even after the movie was released. He would he would have different versions of The Shining, for example, different yes. prints, yeah. and, and constantly fixing it, fixing it, fixing it consistently because that's an artist you know that's a true artist they're never quite happy um leonardo da vinci's uh great works they found element uh, evidence of of him fixing his 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 art later uh you know touching something up because he wasn't quite happy with it you know there's been a lot of artists who've done that they painted over something and try to make it better and uh that's the the curse of an artist you know so I, I think, you know, with Mimi, whatever you do is right for you is right. You, you will for sure look back and say, I wish I'd fixed it. But as long as oh, you make totally. yep. but it's okay. Mm. It's yeah, okay exactly. to be that way. Somebody, actually, I was on the, um, the John Fouts podcast the other day and, you know, talk about my, you know, special edition. I did a special edition of my first film where I fixed a bunch of stuff. Um, <laughs> Now, in retrospect, I like the original version better because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of crappy, yet it's it's magical in a crappy way. So, you know, we all go through that. and, and it's, it's like with E.T., isn't it? You know, Spielberg went back and he put a couple of extra scenes in and he took out the, the shotguns, put the walkie-talkies in, and then he went back and he went, bring back the shotguns, I think. So I'm did, okay, he, did he not regret that decision? He does, yeah. He does yeah. regret it. Yeah, no. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, that's... Um, it's okay to go through those points and thank God we have, you know, an ability to undo things. Yes. Um, you know, so, so, so what, what else? I'm, I'm more interested in your opinion of Rise of Skywalker. I, sh I should shut up. I, w I want you to tell me what else, what else would you say about it? For you, no, no, nobody seems to mention the John Williams score, which I thought was amazing. It's like this is potentially the last time John Williams will score. A Star Wars movie because he doesn't do the standalone ones, does he? And it's like there, there hasn't been a big thing about that. Yeah, that's true. Actually, the score was pretty epic. I mean, it's consistently epic. It's not been like, oh, this is better than the other score he did. They've all been amazing. 
Yeah. Uh, what, I, what I did love is this, as far as I know, is the first time they've ever actually used the Star Wars theme within the film when the ships came out and they actually played yeah. the theme part itself. I don't think that's ever been done before other than over the opening crawl. I felt so excited when that happened. It was. It felt a bit weird. You're like, hang on a minute. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even though you knew what the music was, you, it kind of felt out of place in a good way. You're like, huh? Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's quite clever. I, I, I got a chills when I saw those all those spaceships arriving, um, and it was, yeah. I think with the characters, I mean, I grew up with Han, Leia, Chewie, Darth, etc. And after watching Jedi, I always wondered what happened to them. Where did they go? What yeah. did they do? Are they okay? I don't get that from Ray, Finn, Paul. I'm not sitting here going, oh, I wonder what's going to happen to them. And then maybe that's just an age thing. It probably is. You know, yeah. I was tw- 12 years old when Jedi came out. And I remember the time frame between Empire and Jedi being the most painful ever. Because you were like, Darth can't possibly be. He's got to be lying. How's this going to work? What's going on? Yeah. I- I've had none of this from these new trilogy. I've not, oh, I need to know who Ray's parents are. I've got to find out. I'm like, I'll find out at some point. Yeah. I, I-, I suspect that is an age thing. And, yeah. yeah, I yeah, I, I get your point. I um, well, you know, the the only other, I, I tell you the other little nitpick I have, and again, it's small. Um, the end of the movie, you know, when she goes back to Tatooine, yeah, and uh, you know, uh, she flies on Millennium Falcon. There should have been Chewie. C-3PO and R2-D2, not BB-8, or as well as. Mm-hmm. They should have kept C-3PO's memory erased. Yeah. And then, okay, bang, here we are back on Tatooine. He steps off the Millennium Falcon. He looks around. He says, oh, what a desolate place this is. Yeah. No, that would have been a really nice throwback. <laughs> and, and and then he could have turned to Ray, you know, oh, and R2 says something. He says, oh, Ray, um, what is this place? Well, it's, she knows this is, this is something. You know, she says something clever. Um, and then, then C-3PO, oh, by the way, well, Ray, what's your last name? He could have asked her the question because he had no memory. Yeah. Rather than this old woman who we don't even know who she is. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, who would you? Hell? Yeah. Well, I just casually walked past this, this, this place in the middle of nowhere. It's like being in the desert, 20 miles in the desert. And somebody just walks past and says, oh, hey, what's your last name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> None of your business. Go it, it should have come from C-3PO because his mind was erased. Yeah. And it would have been, oh, that would have been good. Yeah. It would have been a it really was a, nice moment. It was a nice touch where she stood and looked at the two sons. Oh, that, that was, was quite nice. shot. The, I, the cinematography I thought was really good. Yeah, it was. Uh, except for one shot. <laughs> was out of focus. <laughs> No, it wasn't, was it? I, you go back, and you when you watch it again, I'll tell you where it is. When Ray's dead, and she's lying there, um, or about to be dead, and she's lying on the ground, and she's half exhausted. Uh, it was focused on her cos- on her her robe, and not her eyes. Her eyes are out of focus, and uh, it was very, very, very slightly out of focus. And I was, you know, it's, it's I, I'm a freak for focus, though. You know, I am the guy who who uh, would pick that. You know what I mean? I'm the only person yeah. probably even knew that. But it's like, oh, man. And I would have seen that 
and I would have gone and said, look, I, I know you miss focus. It's a tough gig. You know, it's really the lenses they use were very soft, I have to say, um, and very hard to work with. They're old lenses. Um, let's just reshoot her eyes and, and we can paste her eyes back in over the top of that. We can fix that and put it back in focus, just her eyes. Because you always focus on the eyes. The eyes have to be in focus. And it's a small, minor thing. It's a very minor thing. But, you know, when you see that, you'll see her eyes are out of focus and her costume's in focus. Um, but, you know, that's where you should use the technology to fix stuff like that because it's like, okay, somebody just had a, you know, they're bad. It's so hard to pick focus. I, I've made, you know, I've committed those sins many times myself. Um, you know, and that, that's just minor stuff. But it, it did look good, didn't it? You know, it did. It was grainy. Did you notice the grain? Um, no, I didn't notice the grainy. No. What did you feel? What was the vibe of the whole movie? You know, what did you feel? It was uh, visually. What was your feel? Visually, it was very much like Last Jedi, where it was like, wow, this film. It 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 didn't look like a Star Wars movie to me. Interesting. You know, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just I, if somebody said divide the Star Wars movies up to how they look, it would be Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, Force Awakens. And then the original trilogy type thing. Just so I think if you consistently, it's kind of like you watch the the, the prequels. So there's this age old argument: what order do you watch them in? But mm. the only right answer is you watch them in the order they were released. That's yeah. the only correct yeah. answer on that one. Because if you watch the prequels and you go, "Wow, that looks crisp! Wow, wow! Whoa, what happened? What happened to a new hope and Empire Strikes Back? What's with these haircuts? What's with these costumes?" Yeah, and then you then watch, you know, Force Awakens and Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. You're like, "I'm so confused as to why these films all look technologically different." So, uh, but no, I had no. I went into it thinking this is maybe going to be terrible, and I'm going to have to somehow justify why I liked it. Uh, the first hour, I was a bit still the same. I'm like, am I going to like it? But then I settled into it. And then when the film was all concluding, I'm like, do you know what? I really enjoyed that. Yeah. It was quite nice. It was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, and I think that's a valid point. You know, did you enjoy the experience? Yeah. You know? I think I enjoyed it more. I'm a bit like this with music concerts. So whilst I'm watching it, I go, eh, it's all right. But then once I've finished and I've come out, I go, do you know what? I really like that. And I'm, I've always been the same with music concerts. I enjoy them more when it's finished Interesting. than I do while I'm watching it for some weird reason. I think it's because while it's on, I'm trying to take everything in and look at everything and analyze everything. And how am I feeling? Am I enjoying this one? Do I like this song? Not quite sure. Oh, I don't. And yet afterwards, when it replays in my head, I go, do you know what? That was great. Yeah, and it's a little overwhelming, you know. I think too for people like us, it's not just a movie. It's it's something else you know so it's a it's a it's a it's a last chance to revisit the childhood um i i found it very uh, uh you know I, I i feel like there's a turning point in my life now you know in the point where i've waited since the age of 10 i waited for the story to finish and yes it's not the story i would have told at all but yeah. it's not my story to tell and it's okay that the story, you know, and sometimes in life, your family die, your, your friends die, you know, and I've lost people. Life never turns out the way you want it. And Star Wars never turns out the way you want it. But you've got to take it the way it's presented and take it in your stride as a, as a piece of humanity. You know, that's how I look upon it. It's, you know, I'm, I'm emotionally messed up right now. I'll be honest about Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. Um, I, uh... It's good. 
I wouldn't put it in my top 10 films of the year. I don't feel the need to readjust my list. But it's certainly, it wouldn't be anywhere near the, the bottom half. No. You know, if I had to do a top 50 films I didn't enjoy this year, that wouldn't even be close to getting on that list. So I definitely enjoyed it. But Now, now knowing that the, the, the Mandalorian, uh, and I'm sorry, by the way, I turned this into an interview with Stuart Bannerman podcast. Right, it saves me from coming up with questions. <laughs> I'm, I'm, cool, I'm cool with that. But knowing that uh, the Mandalorian is the most downloaded uh, t- thing, TV yeah. show in the world to date of any yeah. anything, uh, wow. and uh, knowing that people kind of like it, and knowing that you officially have not seen it, <laughs> exactly. It's like March thirty first. Thanks, Disney. Yeah, <laughs> rest of the world has yeah. it, um, and then knowing that possibly somebody may have somehow, you know, or somehow. Have you seen any any other? I, I, have you I may have. Maybe, wa- maybe I may have any. watched. I may have watched all of episode one and part of episode two, uh, due to time uh-huh. reasons and stuff. The the first time I was watching the Mandalorian, I, I think I watched it for about fifteen minutes. I'm like, it seems all right, but I'll, I'll watch it later on. I, for some reason, I just I wasn't in the mood to sit and watch it. And then a few days ago, I thought, right, let's give it another go. And I sat and watched the first episode. Thoroughly liked, loved it. Really good. Uh, I'm interested to see where this little baby Yoda creature comes from because people keep calling it baby Yoda and it's, it can't be baby Yoda. It maybe can be. I don't know. But it, the, the time scale... It can't be Baby Yoda. Yoda was 800 years old before the Mandalorian was on. Yeah. So it's like he cannot possibly be 50 years old unless some sort of weird storyline comes out that there's a clone or or something like that. But I think the internet has become a little bit obsessed with Baby Yoda. And that's a beautiful but, thing because it was unexpected. And you know it's unexpected because there's no there were no toys. <laughs> no, no, they dropped the ball there, didn't they? Oh, did they ever? But you know that that's oh. that's a great thing because, like in the original Star Wars, they didn't have the toys ready either. So it's, you know, it's it's really a, a nice uh, situation um, with that. Now, here's my theory on that: is uh, the the have you seen the bit where the, there's a there's a Imperial medical officer sort of looking after him? The guy who's uh, kind of no, okay. No, oh, okay. No. <laughs> oh, it's um, okay. If the, yeah, I'm okay. I'm not. It, there's a lot of people. I've just luckily managed to avoid spoilers, so I'm not like I don't need to see any, or I'm going to cry. Well, here's somebody. Here's a little little tidbit, and I don't know if he is a clone. They haven't revealed it. I'm up to episode six or seven. Wow. Okay. Well, there's two more then, isn't there? No, there's one more to go for me. Oh, there's one more. Yeah, okay. one more for me. Um, there's a, an imperial. Doctor, I think it's episode three. You might see him, or episode two. Uh, he's he's got this insignia on his uniform, and it's a cloning insignia. And it does not mean he's a clone. Does it might mean they're going to harvest this creature to make clones or something? I don't know. Um, but you know, there is something to do with cloning somewhere in 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 that, and that's why I have to say. Uh, you know, in, in my uh, watching them all, it, it's a great show and it's very Star Warsy. And it did give me episode three was magic. Uh, episode two is magic because they're on the sand crawler. <laughs> um, three, four, five, four, five, and six are are, are okay, are good. Uh, episode seven is incredible, absolutely. You know, the best one I think. Um, so there is hope for you. 
young yes. Stuart. <laughs> there is. March the 31st when it actually comes out. Yeah. But thankfully, people aren't really ruining it now. I mean, the, the first initial episode one coming out, the internet was full of memes. And so it was kind of annoying a lot of people in the UK there going, thanks a bunch. Yeah. But it does seem to have died down enough that not everybody's had it ruined yet, which is quite. Yeah. Pleasant. It's. it's you know, there's not that many big secrets in it anyway. You know, they're just kind of doing it. And I like that approach. It's definitely a refreshing uh, piece of uh, cinema or television, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Um, it's definitely refreshing. And the similarities between that and Rogue Warrior are shocking. <laughs> and when I say shocking, I mean shocking. Uh, Do you think the shocking in the, like people might watch Rogue Warrior not aware that it was out before and go, oh my god, look at this guy, he's ripped off the Mandalorian. It looks like <laughs> a complete rip to the wow. point of dialogue, scenes, scenarios. The spaceship is the same shape. <laughs> um, to the point of the Mandalorians walking through the desert, a very similar desert, with a floating ball that looks like Hoagland. Yes, he is. Um, that's, that's true, actually. I've seen that bit. Yeah. The latest teaser poster art they did for it is the exact same layout as Rogue Warrior, our main poster for Rogue Warrior. Um, I don't even know if that's a coincidence, and I, I hope they've stolen from me because it's great. It means I'm worth stealing from. And if they haven't, it just means we all have the same good ideas, and that's a great thing. Um, you know, it's... It's okay. I don't care. <laughs> if they rip me off, I, I, I will high five. Don't you know um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni? Yeah. Um, because it's it's thank you for ripping me off because I was worthy. You know, yeah. if they didn't, fine. I don't care. You know, it, it's nice. You know, it's uh, George Lucas ripped off Flash Gordon. You know. Uh, yeah. Martin Scorsese ripped off the the French New Wave cinema of the sixties <laughs> to the point where, you know. Oh, have you seen? Have you seen the? Um, sorry, I want to. Have you seen that 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 Scorsese movie, The Irishman? I did. I enjoyed it. I did. I enjoyed it more when it was finished, uh -huh. which I will explain. Well, near enough when it was finished because mm -hmm. I, I made a whole big thing. I think Annette yeah. was going out. She was staying out overnight or whatever. And I'm like, right, well, I'm going to devote the entire afternoon. I'm going to get some food, pizza. Right, I'm going to watch The Irishman because this is an event. This is a three-and-a-half-hour Martin Scorsese film with a great cast and all that, so I'm going to make an event of it. And I did. And whilst watching it, I'm like, this is good. It's all right. It's not Casino. It's not Goodfellas, but that's right. fine because this is The Irishman. So, yeah. therefore, it's a different film. But then as it carried on, I thought, never again. Am I going I to watch, watch a new Scorsese film <laughs> that will feature Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci? And let alone, am I going to be able to watch this on its, its technical day of release in my house? Yeah. This is weird. How am I watching a new Scorsese, Pacino, De Niro, Pesci film on, on in my living room? It's, it's So that kind of freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, But I, I enjoyed it. Oh, it was a good film. I, I would probably watch it again maybe once. Yeah, but I did enjoy it. I found the de-aging technology a little bit weird in places. It's like everyone it's, had Botox. <laughs> it was especially De Niro. I think his was the yeah. worst. Yeah, and and you notice, I noticed it got better. Yeah, it did. It's yeah. because they figured out some, you know, problems. 
I mean, you go back and you watch Trod Legacy, then, you know, de-aging technology has come on leaps and bounds since then. The Jeff Bridges character was not wonderfully de-aged at all, yeah. even though I love that movie. But, uh, so no, I did, I enjoyed it. What did you think? Um, I, I thought... Not a fan? I, no. I, I no. look, I, I was, I, I, I love his films. Hmm. And I didn't think it was his best. I felt no, not it was... It, there was no reason for it to be three and a half hours long. No, not to, no. It was like, okay, let's show Robert De Niro getting out of the car, walking around, going here, going there. That's not cinema. That's not clever cinema. That's, that's, that's a rough cut, you yeah. know, uh, and you don't need to see this. Yet he did it, and I praise him for doing it because he had the balls to do it. And I get his point because that's a certain style of movie that was big in the 60s and 70s. Uh, and the fifties, you know, the, the, you know, so artistically it was valid and I felt, yes, it did contribute to the characterization. Um, but you know, for a guy who sat there and said the Marvel movies are not movies (laughs) yet takes, steals the technology and uses it for his movie to essentially make a, you know, the Marvel movies perfected the Mm de-aging. Um, and then to use their technology yet, yet talk crap about them i i thought was an odd thing and then to make this it's like you know man if you made a movie that was so sharp and so good and so real and so visceral as a response to the marvel movies uh that would have that would have been smart that would have been a class act for him to do say look this is how movies are made this is this is the real cinema i'm going back to my roots i'm going to make a movie like i did in the 70s or the 80s or even the the 90s yeah he's pretty good at what he does um I didn't think it, it, he should have followed up his his comment about Marvel's movie with the, his best effort, and I didn't think it was. I felt it was, you know, it. it, it again, he he should have sat on it for three months and watched it and said, "Now nah, this is too long. I should make it shorter, or I should tighten it up." Because, you know, it didn't really contribute. The actors are good enough that you can get a sense of character in one look, one shot, one moment. You don't need to show him walking to show his body language from the car to the house um to get the same point so i you know i i when, when you're critical and when you go publicly and say something like marvel movies that these are not movies <laughs> you, you then turn the lens on yourself and then therefore you must accept the same criticism you're, you're putting on other, other people um so you know i i will watch it again but i know the movie's going to date really badly because i was the de-aging was like oh no yeah, it looked like. I mean, De Niro looked like he was wearing black eyeliner. I, I yeah. remember thinking that. Like, has he turned into John Cusack? Yeah, that work. And it, yeah. It, you know, I if if you know, you know, the best VFX is the ones you don't notice. But I was, I was, I was like, I spent my time analyzing the movie, going, hmm. Um, you know, for, I, I wouldn't attempt doing this. Uh, you know, my my lessons of doing the first digital movie on the planet, you know, and doing a lot of digital movies and a lot of VFX and everything else. The lesson I have learned is if you can do it practical, if you can do it real, do it real. Don't yeah. don't go there. Don't put prosthetics, you know, light them differently. They, they look pretty old. Then, yeah. then maybe that's not the movie you should make. You know, maybe you shouldn't try it because, yeah, we miss those, those great moments, you know, but maybe you shouldn't make that movie. Maybe you should recast it. Um, and it's always the mistake people make when they try to push it too far. The same in uh, Prometheus, you know, when when you've got uh, the old man, uh, oh, Guy Pierce, Guy Pierce, 
Yeah, that was dreadful. Just put yeah. an old man in there. <laughs> in it. Come on. But it was like, it's casting. Be clever. And that, you know. Now, somebody came out with a good point. They were on about the de-aging technology. And you said, imagine if this technology was always with us. You would never have got Robert De Niro in The Godfather Part 2. It would have been a de-aged Marlon Brando. And we would have lost one of the greatest cinema performances, which was exactly. De Niro. And haven't like you, you would never have had it. Haven't you just hit the nail on the head? Haven't you just defined exactly what's, you know, the problems? And, you know, I am guilty. I am the first person to say I'm guilty of those sins. But haven't you just nailed it exactly? What a great movie. Um, don't you just want to sit down and watch The Godfather Part 2? I, I like them all. I rewatched yeah. the third one probably a couple of months ago just to, on a standalone because I thought, yeah. you know what, I've not seen the third one for a long time. I'll, I'll still like it. It's, it's going to suffer comparing to the first and second one. But... As a movie, there's there's a lot worse movies out nowadays that get better praise than The Godfather Three. Yeah, it's okay, but you know you want to. When the moment you mentioned that, I thought, man, I want to sit down and watch a Godfather Part One and Two right now. And that's yeah. what. And what the reason I say that is, it was shot with an honesty. It's shot with a yeah. texture and a truth and a reality. Have you ever seen Once Upon a Time in America? I, I was just thinking about that. I, yeah. I was going to actually say that. It's like that's another one of those films where I could go, do you know what? I want to sit down and watch that right now. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Because that's, that's what Scorsese movie maybe want to do, um, is watch those movies again. It wanted me to go back and watch the texture and the life and the truth and the reality of, of you know, um, of these things. And watching Rise of Skywalker, what does it make you want to do? It makes you want play, to go- play a video game. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's what yeah. a lot of modern sci-fi, you know, these big two hundred million dollar behemoths. They make me go, oh, I want to put my PlayStation on. But, but but don't you want to go back also and watch Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi? Oh, always. So how do we rank them? Oh, right. Oh. So obviously, we'll we'll put the walk movies at the very bottom because you know why wouldn't you? Uh, but yeah, how, what would be your favorite? Star Wars movie out of well, all, let's just say nine, or if you want to include Solo and, and Rogue One, you can do. Okay, can we go from worst, worst to best? Yes. Okay, because I've got a couple of things to say here. Okay. Um, the worst, uh, and I don't mean this as a criticism, would be the second Ewok movie. Um, yeah, the uh, Battle for Endor. Yeah. Yeah. Or was it Caravan of Courage? No, the Battle the for Endor one? was the worst. Battle for Endor was the yeah, that's definitely the and, worst. And then the Caravan of Courage, because at least I had a guy, a young kid who looked like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, I did. I liked him, you know. Yep. I, I, I kind of liked little bits of it. And they see a spaceship, you know. I'm going to try and find out what happened to that kid and do an oh, article about it. No, he's around. Um, Is he around? Yes. I'm going to dig. You will see an article about what happened to him. I'm oh, go dude, you it. can do an interview with him. He's around. He's a really <laughs> nice guy. He really is a great guy. He's in the, he's in Los Angeles somewhere, um, so you can find him. Yes, I know he's around. That's uh, my new homework. And the reason being is that I was looking at my website, and the the best articles I've ever done have always been these ten minute put together things. What happened to? Yeah. So there's like the family from Lethal Weapon, uh, Charlene Tilton from Dallas, the kids. From oh, Jones. Charlene Tilton from they Dallas. They consistently get. I know they, her. They could, you do know her. I did one of those about her. They're literally only like 15, 20 lines because I thought, I just want to put a little article out. But these damn things still get hits. Yeah. So I thought, I said to Annette the other day, I said, I'm going to do more of these what happened to's whenever I come up with a name. So the fact we touched upon the kid from Ewoks, right? That's that's, that's going to be fine. my next one. So. Charlene Tilton yeah. used to live up the road for me. She's a she? 
bundle of laughs, a bubbly girl, wonderful nice. human being. Anyway, sorry. Um, okay, the ranking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, the second one, the second worst, Caravan of Courage. Yep. And then I'm going to say the Star Wars Holiday Special. Why do I've I still never? I've never seen that. You know. Well, I, I did. I know. Why it's do on I YouTube somewhere? So you should watch it. Um, why do I rank it now so high? I had a I had a weird moment uh, two days ago. Um, uh, no, just after watching Rise of Skywalker, somebody posted, and I came home and I was like, "Oh, it's a bit funny emotionally." Um, somebody posted Princess Leia singing the Life Day song at the end. She okay. basically she sings to the Star Wars theme tune. Oh no! It's horrible. Oh no! It is. But, it sounds horrible. But let me tell you something. I sat there and I watched this and I actually made me cry because there's Carrie Fisher in her prime standing next to Harrison Ford and, and Mark Hamill in their original Star Wars costumes singing a song to some Wookiees about life. And it was so horrible yet beautiful. And I think myself, I used to despise this. Now I, I'm like, this is actually a beautiful moment. Because it's it's really disgustingly, you know, terrible with what it is. Yet it's beautiful because there's a human who's now dead, and there's two other people who've now aged and and are gone. Their youth is gone. In a moment in history, and it's really quite an amazing moment. Yet you know, so it's it's now become it's actually gone up in my rankings because of life, because of what we went through. Um, so, you know, and, and there's a Boba Fett cartoon in the middle, which is quite good, yet weird. So I would say holiday special. And then, uh, and I, you know, I, I now then getting to the movies themselves. Uh, uh, I'm not going to hate on, I don't hate any of the movies, by the way, because I don't hate, but, you know, you, you can't hate them. I dislike one of them. Well, but I, I don't hate, I don't. Hate, dislike it enough to hate it, but it is my least favorite. So. Well, Phantom Menace would be my next. Really, Attack of Clones is mine. I tell you why I put Phantom Menace at the bottom because it was so uh, so much build up, and yet such a disappointment, and it was just like, oh, you know. Uh, I mean, I did enjoy it, and I do like watching it, but you know, as far as the re- rewatch goes, it's just. Oh, here we are again. You know, it just seems very pre- presentational. And uh, where George Lucas was in a weird place, you know, he was very much mentally in a, in a different place. So I would put that one there. Then I would do Attack of the Clones um, because I'm very fond of Attack of the Clones because I had a lot to do with it. So it's a personal thing, and it's it's got some great moments. It's got my little friend Daniel. He's not little. It's got Daniel Logan in it. It's got Christopher Lee in it. Both of which I've had you know friendships with. Uh, and I had there's a lot of stuff in there I, I enjoyed. Yeah, there's bad moments, but I, I look at the good moments and I, I like them. I think for me, the, the only reason I don't like Attack of the Clones is nothing to do with the storyline or performances or anything. It just looks too much like an animated movie. Absolutely. To me, and that's the, the, that's the single reason why that is the least favorite, where I love all the other ones that are pretty much practical. Obviously, yeah. some of the new ones and stuff are a little bit different, but out of the prequels... That's it, the one that looks it was, too fake. It was bold me. at the time. It was a bold, oh, it was yeah. a bold decision that that see that movie revolutionized filmmaking. 
Yeah. Uh, but we don't, you know, when you look back, that revolutionized everything. Um, but that's why it looks so bad now. And you think it wasn't even shot in a 4K camera. It's shot in a, on a 2K camera. And they had to upscale it. And it, it, it looks remarkably good for, for how they did it. So, uh, you know, it's okay. So then uh, stepping up from there, um, uh, See, mine would be Sith and then Phantom Menace. So that's the, the slightly different order. You see, I, I, okay, so this is going to sound really weird. Uh, I would probably put – the next one I would probably put in the list is the Han Solo movie. Okay, yep. And I loved it, but it yep. just – it wasn't didn't have a director's vision. It had two director's no. visions, and it was, yeah, it it was a rush. Technically, job. three wasn't it? I think was it. Yeah, sort of. Two yeah. and then right, well, you two can get one. We'll bring yeah. it on our Yeah. And I always go back to the fact that the uh, the background Wookie, the secondary Wookie, was the 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 physical. For all the money that thing cost, uh, you could see the the budget, the lack of budget on screen. You know, with the the Wookie makeup of uh, the the secondary Wookie and that that whole castle area looked really cheap and the uh the costuming of the the creatures in the castle run in the in the castle planet is really cheap you know so it needed a cut extra spray paint <laughs> to fix some things or something you know anyway so han solo um and then uh this is where it gets painful for me uh rogue one for me is no next? yeah yep no, no, no. I'm, I'm going to put that up, up on the list. Um, I'm going to probably put right now, I'm going to put Rise of Skywalker next. And it's just for missed opportunity, yet I'm going to have to watch that thing at least 20 times because I actually did enjoy it. it it's going to change right now today. Rise of Skywalker. And then, um, uh, man, what's next? Uh, then I would say Force Awakens. Then I would say Last Jedi. Yep. Uh, then I I've w- got mine. I've got mine flipped. So mine would be Last Jedi and then Force Awakens as we move further up. I, you know, I have a problem with Force Awakens when they could see those those laser beams, you know, from the planet. <laughs> it's like, come on, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's just bad science. That, that disgusted me. How bad, you know? It's like, okay. Um, then uh, let's see. Hang on. This is so painful to me even talking. <laughs> it's hard work, isn't it? So like even yeah. picking the worst doesn't mean you yeah. need to. It and then, I'd do, then I would do Revenge of the Sith at the top of all those because of Ian McDermott. Because he's so deliciously delightful. I want to watch those scenes over and over and over again. And then I would put Rogue One because the somebody had heart at one point and the end scene, even though the editing was terrible at the end, uh, you know, just like the way they cut it, just the last 10 seconds were just wrong, wrongly paced. Um, I loved Rogue One. And uh, and then I would say I'd put the Mandalorian as a complete entity above that. Yeah, I can't comment on that one, obviously. Cause, you know, thank you, Disney. And then I would do uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi and Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I would do my... My favorite Star Wars movie is Jedi. Interesting. It is good. Uh, then probably Empire, then New Hope. And the, the original trilogy are very close. But out of pure nostalgia, yeah. Return of Jedi, going into that as a 12-year-old, 
not having seen anything Star Wars other than reruns of the first one on TV or whatever, was like, wow, what is going to happen? There was so many, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me these answers I've been waiting for for years that I will always have a fondness for uh, for Jedi. Interesting. See, see, Empire Strikes Back was my film school. Because I, I was 13 and I would go to, I've decided around that time I really wanted to make movies. And uh, I went to the cinema. I think I saw it in the cinema 81, 81 times. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I would watch it and take notes. Yeah. And I was 13. I mean, you know, <laughs> some, some kids are chasing girls at 13. <laughs> yeah. No, I was playing with Star Wars figures in sand pits and polystyrene blocks when I was 12. So, you know, I, I feel you. I'm right there. Yeah. I get yeah. it. <laughs> I was in England just before that and I, I had a Star Wars Christmas in, in England and it was the best Christmas ever because all the Star Wars toys uh, you know had finally hit the shelves properly so it's 79, Christmas of 79 was great, then I went to high school then I, Empire Strikes Back came out and all I did was uh, you know watch Empire Strikes Back so yeah so, what, so, what, so what's, your, what's, what's your numbers? My numbers were uh, my favorite ones were um, Jedi, Empire, New Hope. Um, I've forgotten now. <laughs> forgotten prequels. Them all. Prequels. My I prefer Phantom Menace out of all three of them. Then Revenge of the Sith, and then Attack of the Clones. And new ones I prefer Force Awakens. Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, probably the order that they came out. Mm-hmm. And what about Rogue uh, One and Han Solo? I, I I like Rogue One, but it it didn't feel again that suffered with the hey, do you want to direct a film? Right, get lost. We're going to bring somebody else in to finish it off. Yeah, it suffered with that again. So I would love to see the original version of Rogue One that was shot, the super dark sort of war movie. You watch the trailer; there's loads of little clips in that that were never even in the film. Yes, so see the original one of that one, but. Um, I don't know, Rogue One I enjoy, I've seen it twice. It's like, okay, I'm done. I don't mm-hmm. need to rewatch that. And Solo I did enjoy because it was critically bashed. Yeah. And I was expecting it to be terrible. And I watched it and I had good fun. It was, it was a like, fun oh, movie. It's kind of good. I don't need to watch it again, but it was okay. It was good. Well, it was, it was entertainment. Fun. And my little buddy, uh, Ray Park, who I've you know, hung out with a couple of times, and, and only a couple, but he was in it. And I was so enjoy- so over overjoyed to see him there. Well, I was overjoyed because one of my friends was in Rise of Skywalker, and I didn't even know. Who? Joseph Alton, who he's been in Game of Thrones and all sorts of stuff. I was swapping tweets with him this afternoon and wishing him Merry Christmas and may the force be with you. He played one of the Rebel pilots or the Alliance uh-huh. pilots, Vadik. So it was. it's so nice to see people, because he's been in a lot of British films. Yeah. Tons, you name it, he's been in it type thing. And then you're like, I've got a minute, what's he doing in this? You know, I would I would have liked to have seen them put Zara Fithian in that. If you know, if 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 I'd done the Jedi Army at the end, you know, the Ghost Jedi Army, and they all come to life. Somebody like Zara Fithian would have been so good in that, as of you know, in the foreground, beating the crap out of a Sith Lord or something, or as a Sith Lord. Yeah, it would have been so good, you know. And to get this start a petition, get it reshot. Oh no! Please no! (laughs) These horrible people. It, I don't understand it. It's like, what, did, did they ever think that Disney are going to go, do you know what? I know we've made a billion pounds off this film Ooh. and it cost us 200 million, but there's a bunch of people out there that'd like us to remake it. 
Yeah. Let's do it. No, it's, it's never going to be a It's such an thing. egotistical thing to do. Isn't it? Oh. It's like you sort of said ages ago. It was a case of, you know, you've got an opinion. Would you have done it differently? Yes, you would have. But however, that's not your film. No, and I probably would have made less money. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have made any money. Mine would still be sitting on a hard drive yeah. just waiting to be edited. <laughs> Let me figure out this. <laughs> Yeah, that's, uh, that's that's the thing. The moment people criticize, shut up and make your own movie is is what I would say to them. Don't you tell me yeah. what to do and, until you've done it yourself. And the moment you do it yourself, <clears throat> then uh, you suddenly get a different opinion. And I, I, it's difficult. It's really difficult making a film. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was going to be difficult anyway, but it's not easy. So you know, let alone if somebody gives you two hundred two hundred million dollars to make a film, I would hate for somebody to give me two hundred million dollars. Well, actually, I would like it because I would just give you $190 million going, here you go, Neil, go make me a film <laughs> and then come back and then I'd just sit there and spend my $10 million. Yes. But, yeah, <laughs> the, the pressure on it, I can't even imagine. Well, how, how, having made Mimi, how does this change you as a, as a, as a filmmaker now? Uh, sorry, as a, as a film fan, shall we say? Uh, it doesn't at all. Interesting. No, I've always been – I remember having a conversation with Stu Miller who would – uh, he would bash a film whether it cost a hundred million or whether it cost a hundred pounds, and I remember asking him, saying, "Look, if a film was really low budget, would you cut it some slack?" And he went, "No, I treat it exactly the same." And that, that's one thing that I would never do. I would never go right. I'm going to judge uh, like a Neil Johnson film against Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame because you go, "Well, you know what? If, if with a two hundred million dollar budget, if something didn't work, you can go oh, just redo that. It's yeah. fine." Yeah. Do it again, do it again, do it again. But when you're at the, the lower than $200 million, you don't have that luxury. So I think as a film reviewer, and it hasn't changed me at all, but it's just given me more of an insight into how films are put together. You know, like watching Rise of Skywalker with the Carrie Fisher stuff. It was like, well, that's very clever because they're using footage that was shot before the script was even written. How have they written... The, the questions that she then responds to, uh, oh. how they shot it, and it's that. I thought that I was watching that sort of very analytically. That was clever. I, okay, I have an opinion on that. And here's my valid opinion because I have had the same problem. <clears throat> um, you know, I've had a couple of actors die on me. I, I had a situation in this current movie, uh, The Time War. I've been in the exact situation. I was afraid an actor was going to commit suicide. I was horrified that he would do this because of a situation that went down. So I ran over to his place and I shot a whole bunch of elements on him on green screen and as much as I could. And I'm now, he's still alive, thank God, but I, I'm piecing together multiple performances of him from those elements I shot. And I'm doing a Carrie Fisher, but thankfully the actor's still alive. So I know how hard that is and I know what you have to do. And I, I, you know, I was, I, th- I, I thought it was okay, but I think they could have. It was a little bit. And I'm, I'm a guy on the inside. Is like, yeah, yeah, I get what you're doing, guys. They could have built better scenes around it. They could have done many more looks and moments of. They could have carried a scene, with her just standing, looking, and Ray looking at her, and just staring at each other for for two minutes, yeah. and it would have been even more interesting. Um, so, you know, it's it's it just seemed a bit you know artificial um yeah it, it it seemed very sort of 
Right. Well, let's patch this bit up. Yeah, in the same let's way. Join join the seams. Yeah, quickly in the same way on. that the Grand Moff Tarkin was thrown into Rogue One and Carrie Fisher, you know, the CG yeah. versions. Um, I didn't feel felt felt they were necessary, nor did they fit. You know, so I I, I do have a you know I have a small problem. I had a problem with that because like, oh man. You know, I've I've been there, and I know how that they could have fixed it. But you know, that's that's again, the amount of uh, pressure they're under, the 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 the, the problems with a massive budget. Um, I, I I I'm not surprised. You know, I thought they did a good job, but it, it's it's such a complex thing to do. And this is the problem. This is the problem when you do these types of movies. You can't just oh it didn't work recut it this way change this change that when you're in the edit room you're just cutting a performance like you're cutting Mimi together um, yeah I might change this might change that but if you want to just nudge something here or nudge something there uh, if they had to nudge a performance of Carrie Fisher's you know performance to make it work well then they have to go do redo the VFX and redo the VFX and redo the VFX uh, it didn't work redo the VFX that's the problem with these movies whenever I want to trim something and it's a VFX movie. Uh, it's so much work to do a little trim and an adjustment and redo, 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 redo. It's, you know, it's not like a little, I'll oh, push a button, you can fix it. It's okay. I want to change this. I wanted to trim this by three frames. Okay. See you in three weeks. Here's a shot. <laughs> and I'm not joking. That's exactly what I'm saying. I want to change it here. No, see you in three weeks. I want to change this. Oh, I'll see you in two days. Okay. I want to change this in the edit room. When you've got real footage, it's, you can fudge things around. You can do 50 changes in the space of five minutes. And they yeah. don't. I think that's why I don't ever want to do anything that involves visual effects, other than maybe a credit sequence here or there. Yeah. But I'm much com- more comfortable just pointing a camera and capturing a performance. Yeah. At the minute, maybe I'll change at some point. But the, the style of people have asked me what sort of films I would love to have made, and it's things like Seven, or or The Game, or you know things like that. These sort of non-visual effects movies. Yeah. And that, that's rather than Avatar. I, oh, no. And even that looks Not dated, doesn't it? Just yeah, it really does. And that's my problem. You know, the, I, I I make those movies. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is the problem. You know, it's it's the pain of this is why us VFX filmmakers go back and fix our films later it's because we have to. Yeah. You know, we have to do it. Um, I don't know what the answers are. You know, for the future, it, this is a cursed cursed business. Because you think you create a piece of art, and it's not valid in five years or ten years. It just looks doesn't look like art. It looks like crap. It's not the same with music, though. You you take music from the sixties, it sounds fine now. You take music from the eighties, that sounds pretty dated. Other than you know the odd few tracks. Yeah, well, which, because which, you bring in technology in to do something artistic, and by technology I mean like be it visual effects or synthesizers. Well, what's, you, know, you what's go back and worse, watch. I, yeah, what's even worse is the auto tune stuff. Oh god, yeah, yep. You know, you, know, you go back and you watch Assault on Precinct Thirteen. Yes. The, the film's okay, but the score is annoying to the point where you don't want to watch the film anymore. Yeah, because it just sounds. You're like, oh no, give me a give me a break. Yeah, you see, you've identified exactly the pain I'm going through right now with the time. <laughs> yep. And I'm really serious. This is exactly the problem. Um, you know, even with the soundtrack, uh, I'm like, you know, it's got to be a piece from the four, you know, it's got to be indicative of what, what it is. So I'm, even though I've got VFX, I'm going back to physical models yeah. as much as possible. Uh, the other day I hired a, a, 
uh, a guy to uh, a violinist, an amazing violinist. Um, I don't know if you know if he wants his name to be known. Um, we'll just call him a famous <laughs> violinist. Yeah, he's incredible. And I, I, I actually wrote a piece of music on the keyboard and sent it to him and said, could you perform this? He did. And he sent it back. And he's, 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 he's incredible. But you see, it's real. It's real performance, you know. Um, yeah. It's real music. You know, I, 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 here we are. I can do violins on the, on the, on the, the keyboard. But I, I, I'm not doing it because, uh, you know, it's, it goes against what the film's about. And we can tell. The audience can tell what – even if it's just slightly, I think. We always got – hang on a minute. If you were to do a soundtrack with regular violin and then computer violin, they could sound identical. But I still think people would go, do you know what, I like that one. That's the proper violin for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Like, and and that and that's it, you know. And this is the this is the lesson. This is the biggest lesson, you know. I I I'm I, I just bought. You're gonna laugh your ass off. I just bought uh, on eBay. Somebody was selling a whole bunch of old lenses. No idea what they were. He didn't he didn't <laughs> list what they were. I just had a photo. Uh, how many was it? I think it's about thirty lenses, of vintage lenses for a hundred bucks. So I bought them all, and I'm I'm going through each lens and testing them. If it's like any good, I keep it. If it's not any good, I sell it. Try to make a profit. Yep. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I'm choosing to use these old, either a super clean, perfect lens, you know, for my reshoots or whatever comes up, or really old, ancient lenses, ancient glass that's got yeah. a history to it. And you know, this is this is the uh, this is now the tools of a of a, of a painter. You know, the, these are okay. I, you got to choose your brushes. You got to choose what you do. And I'm hoping it'll give me the film a texture or anything else I shoot a, a texture of, you know, reality. Um, and, uh, most filmmakers don't do that. You know, um, they're you know they're just going to get. Uh, you have to shoot on this or this or this, you know, uh, well, actually I shouldn't say most filmmakers, the good ones are going back to the old glass. And you look at rise of Skywalker, man, it was old glass everywhere. You know, the old, it was, it was, uh, it was film stock and old glass everywhere you look. And even the VFX, they try to make it look like film stock. So, you know, it's, there's, 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 there's a feeling, there's a, there's a revolution happening and we don't even know it. <laughs> So with all the music that I've done for Mimi, that's all acoustic guitar and piano and you know vocals and stuff like that. So it's all I stayed away from using the synthesizer stuff that this uh, this guy would get me. Interesting. So I'm I'm very happy. I've got I had 19 tracks to choose from. This uh, this music producer he said right, I'll, give, I'll give you 19 tracks. Use whatever you want. I'm not bothered how you use it. So I. I went through this stuff again and again and again and then when i shot a lot of the certainly the first mimi one i was shooting it with the music in my head going right that's the one shot that i want to get right but not it does sound very old school stuff but will there be a soundtrack album i hope so yeah i mean i'll definitely get the music so you could have a listen to it but it's this guy is it's somebody i work with at my night job or it was my day job at the time mm. and um it's a guy called carl, carl francis and he he's, he was at work. He's like, yeah, I'm a musician. You go, yeah, are you? That's like me going, I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, are you though? That sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, he, he sent me the links to a couple of tracks and I went home and I listened to them and it blew my mind to the point I went in the day after and I went, this is going to sound really offensive, but 
you know, I don't mean it that way, but how the hell does that voice come out of you? And he was like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, 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 thanks. So humble, but it's yeah. he he needs to not work where I work. He needs to be doing other stuff, which is part of the reason I wanted to use his music. It was the publicity side of things in me going, if I can do something that will showcase this guy's music, I'll be very, very happy. So, yeah, I know. And, that, and that's a that, talented guy. And that's a great thing. You know, I've, I've, with the media, again, for um, the Time War, I'm using uh, Nettie John, Nettie John Cross, who, who did the music on Humanity's End. Yeah. And I'm, you know, he's, he's crazy like me, but he's, uh, he's been recording music just for the sake of recording music with orchestras and stuff. And he says, you know, so he just gave me a whole batch of music. So I'm cutting the movie to the music, kind of like what you're doing. And, and so refreshing. And yes, there's real violins, real this and that. And I just so love the fact that, you know, I can touch something tangible and say, okay, so he, technology gives me the ability. He says, here's the music. Okay. Here's a music track I did, an orchestra piece. And here's the stem. So here's each piece. So you can listen to each violin or each cello, whatever else you need broken up and i i can then put it into the movie and cut out this and remove that and paint with the music nice. oh and it's so nice and then i've got this this new violinist uh uh i, I, I I'll, I'll say his name you can google this guy you know so working in conjunction with this stuff um you know it's uh hang on, i got a it's he's he's, he's got a few, he hides i i know he's hiding because he's so good that everybody wants a piece of him, you know. He goes under the name of William Stewart or the violinist, and you Google it and you find this guy. He's incredible, and I found this guy, and I'm just waiting for. I, I can give him more stuff to do, but he, he plays from the heart, and his yeah. soul comes out of the music, and the same in Nettie John Cross when he writes, his soul comes out, and I can throw that in the movie, and then there's there's life, and that's what you've got, Stewart. You know, you've got somebody who's giving his soul to the to the the music, and then. You give that to the movie. You know, you know, it's going to turn out really good. Yeah. So I will find out in January when I start editing, or February, whenever. Yeah. And, uh, uh, if I'm and, if I'm in the UK, if I'm in the UK, I'll come over and help. Good. You can show me how to use that thing again because I accidentally deleted that video that showed me how to color grade. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> that video's gone. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm a little bit of a way off before I need to start that. The reason being, I'm going to shoot all three and then edit it because I want to, want it to be some sort of consistency with the editing. Yeah, I don't want I don't want the first one to look like crap because I didn't know much, and then the third one to look really good because I'd learned a lot. So I'm going to try and just and because they're all short films, it's not. Nah. it's not like I'm doing a you know a 20 hour epic like you are yeah. <laughs> that would that would scare me beyond belief yeah it, it scares me yeah it scares me but i'm i'm happy do you feel you're doing the lord's work um, I, I, I didn't have really thought about that I, I feel i'm doing what well i think some people have asked me going did you always wanted to did you always want to be a filmmaker and no would be the answer to that because i never thought about it you know because when when i was growing up we watched yeah, be it Richard Donner doing Superman or Spielberg doing Closey Counties, you never thought, you know what, I'm going to do that one day. Some people did. You did when you were watching Empire, obviously. Yeah. But I never thought that it was even remotely possible, so I never thought about it. It was only when I started doing the Comic-Con thing, and I'm like, you know what, I can maybe turn that into something. But see, this is, a, this is your religion, let's be honest. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. So you are doing yeah. the Lord's work. Yeah. You know, you think awesome. about it. This is, you know, God has spoken to you through the films. 
and now you are, you know, God has commanded you to 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 make a film. Because he just needs to start allowing me more time to do it, so I don't have to do my night job, which would be uh, which would be even better. I'm sure there's a lesson there somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there is. But I have things in play for next year that will enable me to concentrate. My schedule this year has just been all over the place, be it with podcasts or or you know trying to go to events but not being able to. So I've already booked the time off for events to go to next year, so I don't have to worry about not being able to go to events. Podcasting, I'm putting a few things in place, so even there will be the same amount of shows, but it'll be slightly different. Mm. I've been speaking to the wonderful Clint, who we know, who who says he wished he was able to catch up with you. Oh, he's a lovely uh, when guy. you were down on there. So I emailed him the other week and I said, "Look, I know you send me lots of interview requests, but I, I don't have the technology to record by phone, and also I'm in the UK, so the last thing I want to do is have you end up with a big fat phone bill." can you do it through Skype? So he has said, well, we've got a lot of people who will do Skype. So what I'll do you is I will email you each month and let you know which ones will do Skype. So it's like, brilliant. And he's already started doing that. So that's, I'm going to have more guests on next year so I can then progress with the podcasts. Mm. Uh, Because I was saying to Bob, and I was going to have the same conversation with Rob, I said, no no offense, Bob, I enjoy doing the shows with you and we'll still do them. But they don't progress where I'm trying to progress to by so Bob, what have you watched this week? I enjoy doing <laughs> I them; and they're entertaining. But it will do me more good speaking to, like you know, be a Michael Madsen or or whoever. So for the publicity side of things, yes. So Bob's on board with that. Rob doesn't know yet because I managed to not talk to him about it because there was lots of people in the room and it was very noisy. Well, well, but, uh, well. And that being said, I, you know, as as a as a listener, I love yeah. I love listening to the banter with you and Rob mm. and. Oh, they, and they will, they'll still happen, but instead of though, there maybe being four of those a month, there may be three. Mm. Or, you know, and then some of the other guest interviews. Or, or there might just be a case of there may be more podcasts. So there might still be four Bob Robs and me's, but there will also be a couple of guests littered yeah. throughout the month. Uh, or shows like this one. So yeah. This isn't, this isn't a scheduled weekly show for me, but. I love doing it, and it's great. So people get an extra show. So I'm good for that. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry I've dragged this out so long, Stuart. I really no, no, not at all. It's, it's ages since we spoke, so it's nice to have a catch up. Yeah, yeah. See that for those who know, this is the only time we talk, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, we just we get to talk, and other people get to listen after the fact. Yeah. So, what are your resolutions for next year? Have you got any? Do you believe in New Year's resolutions? Um, I th- yeah, no, I don't, but I do have them. <laughs> Uh, let me think. That's a good question. Uh, a little bit more physical exercise. Yep. Uh, because you know, I'm, I'm in post now and, uh, 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 to focus even harder on what I'm supposed to do in life. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I it's every day is a resolution for me. So, um, I think just more exercise. It sounds stupid, but when you're sitting on your butt, you know, 24 seven, you need to physically work out and do things um that's it you know uh cut down yeah. cut down on sugar <laughs> yep even i've more. cut down on meat so i'm doing quite well there you know so, I, yeah, small steps I, yeah i i did the same five years ago and yeah. i am now officially vegetarian but i couldn't say that for a long time and you know i'm not going to kill myself if i eat a piece of meat 
No, I'm like that. People, they're, they're all panicky at work. They're doing this thing where they're all bringing all food in on Sunday and they're all like, oh, we'll make sure it's vegetarian. I'm like, seriously, you could sit next to me eating a hamburger or eating half a pig. I'm not going to be offended. It's fine. I'm not allergic to eating meat. I just choose not to eat it to, to see what health benefits there are. And I've noticed them. I've noticed very yeah, quickly it's true. the benefits from it, with you know, be it from a digestive system to an energy level, even a mindset. Yeah, it's 100% true. And I've been through it. You know, so I, I'm so glad you've done that. Honestly, Stuart, it, it, you know, for the sake of humanity, you know, it's, it's, it's a fair thing to do to, to reduce meat if you have to, or give up meat or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing to do because one day, one day we're going to have to be eating insects for our protein. I've got a whole cupboard full of Soylent Green. I'll be fine. Yes. I'm all right. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I shall let you go for now, but I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, Neil. Thank you. Uh, pa- pass my Christmas wishes to Tracy as well. I should probably send her a message just before Christmas as well, but I hope you have a great time. And uh, thank you for being one of the highlights of this year as well. It's lovely to be able to see you all again this year as well. Oh, it, it is. And there's there'll be more visits to come. So thank you. Fantastic. So you enjoy and thank you for the wonderful Rise of Skywalker podcast. <laughs> Nobody listen to the haters. Go watch it, mate. Your mind up. No, it was fun. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. That's what it should be, isn't it? Popcorn movie. Exactly. Watch it. Exactly. All right, Neil. Well, you take care. I will. And I will chat to you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.